Uh, Rob at Dennis at Richard at Kevin at preferredenemies.com. I did that the wrong order because Richard's always last, so I'm going to do that again. (laughs) Rob at Dennis at Rob at Kevin at Dennis at Richard at preferredenemies.com. Nice, nice. Why'd you glare at me? <laughs> because now I gotta now, do it again without because, the applause. Because now they know that was take two. <laughs> Which that may be the cool opening. Oh. <laughs> Dang it, take two. <laughs> and we're moving. You're showing the magic of how the show or the soft behind the curtains. This, this is like a good solid 15 minutes of content that we dev- that we did here, guys. Oh man. <laughs> Welcome to Preferred Enemies, the Warhammer 40k podcast that is recording on Thanksgiving so uh, we can get this episode out to you. I'm your host, Rob, and that's it at the moment. I'm here at home recording this introduction to the episode because this is our 2019 Renegade Open coverage. And unfortunately, our other hosts, including the two that were at Renegade Open with me, Dennis and Kevin, are uh, traveling this weekend to visit family. So you're stuck with just me for the moment. But uh, we will actually be recording something special coming up uh, this weekend. Kevin and I will be recording a special episode that is a... A review of the Sisters of Battle Codex, because Games Workshop is only releasing a special edition codex in the army box, so I know a lot of you didn't get your hands on it, and while you may or may not be interested in playing Sisters, it's good to know what uh, is in the book so you know how to play against them if you see them. But anyway, we've got our coverage coming up. Uh, Our first segment is a talk with Alex Hunt and Jacob Linfers. Uh, This is where we do our news and new releases and listener mail. Uh, I apologize for the sound quality on us. There were some issues with our microphone settings. Our guests are loud and clear. We sound like we're in an echo chamber. I've cleaned it up as much as I can. It's not perfect, but uh, hopefully it's not too annoying to listen to. Its segment is a couple hours long. And then we uh, continue our coverage with a uh, after view of the event. Uh, again, joined by Alex Hunt uh, with all of us back in studio. So without further ado, let's get the show rolling. Miniatures. We build them, we paint them, we love them. That's why we also want to get them to the battle and back again safely. And that's where Care Multicase comes in. They offer a complete model storage and transport system. They offer a wide selection of core trays for standard size miniatures, as well as custom cut trays for specific models. KR's trays are made of a soft foam, available in a variety of colors, that won't scratch or snag your models. And to protect the foam, the trays are carried in easily stackable, swappable cardboard cases. They also offer a full range of Kaiser bags, backpacks, and aluminum cases for transporting your KR cases. You can even choose from pre-built tray selections to suit your army, or use the Autofill app to find just the right trays for your particular force. Whatever your game, 40K, X-Wing, Warm Hordes, or Historicals, KR Multicase has the cases to fit your needs. You can find out more at krmulticase.com. KR Multicase, soft foam for your figures, hard cases for the soft foam. 
And we're back, and we are joined by Jake Linfers and Alex Hunt, friends of the show from up here in Minnesota. Hello. Hey, what can we do? And uh, so we're here to talk news, new releases, listener mail, and a couple other things of interest. Uh, so first off, news and new releases since we last talked, because it's, it's been two or three weeks. Yeah, it has been. Scheduling mm-hmm. and uh-huh. uh, computer events. issues and such and other events going on, yeah. Yeah. Uh, because I don't think I've, we've recorded an episode since I went to Midmo Maelstrom at the beginning of November. Nope. So, yeah, November's been kind of a busy month because, yeah. uh, let's see, the second Psychic Awakening book was released and went up for pre-order. And that is Faith and Fury, which talks uh, Black Templars. We finally have rules for Black Templars in 8th edition. <laughs> well, we have them again. All right, yeah. We took them away yeah, yeah. and then put them back. Or, like, they put them in the codex and they took them away. Way in the new codex, and now they've put them back in a sub in a supplement, but not a standard codex supplement in a narrative supplement because reasons. GW is a generous god. They were just <laughs> waiting for the right opportunity for yeah. that. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but no, the main thing that went up for pre-order that same week was the new Sisters of Battle Army decks. Mm. Oh man, which uh, highly highly sought because a it's the only way to get the codex right now. They've yeah. announced that the new the. Regular release is going to be in January sometime, but Which, until then, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to be upfront and say I am not a fan of this. No, I am not either. I, I no. really think the Codex should have come out the same week. Give give people an alternate way because I have enough sisters. I don't really and these the kits that are in here are monopose. They're not the multi part kits that will be released later. Yeah, so. I don't need these kits. Other than the three arcoflagellants in the box, I need nothing from this box. I have it all in metal already. But I don't have the codex. That's the piece I need. And because it's the only way to get it. So I, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed because it does uh, mean that you have to purchase that box to actually play Sisters with the new rules. So yeah. what do you do in a tournament before now and then? Yeah. Do you play the beta? Do you play the new rulebook? And I guarantee you that someone's going to have that rulebook scanned online and pirated yeah, in exactly. rapid fashion because so you that, can't get it otherwise. So that book is technically out there and it's published. So yeah. you're right. How yeah. how do you run well, if you're running it? At this point, there okay. So we're already past the uh, the review embargo date on yeah. that book because um, if you were a large, we we did not get an advanced copy of it, but I know Bella Lost Souls did. Uh, Striking Scorp- Striking Scorpion 82 on YouTube. Did yes. a full read-through of the book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Uncle Adam from Tabletop Minions oh, okay. yep. g- got the box early. So it's like there's some people that have had access to it. So like like Striking Scorpion has a full read-through of the book. So everything that's in there is out. So we yeah, it's know. it's so just it's gonna be yeah, it's gonna be pirate. But it's super hard soon. if you're somebody who likes playing sisters and wants to run them an event. Like so we're near the end of the ITC schedule. LVO is a couple months away, mm-hmm. so that's the end of the so. If you're playing in like a December or January GT before the new codex gets released to everybody, and you're not able to get one of the limited edition ones, how do you play your army for the next two months? Like, yeah. That, and speaking of which, that so everyone everyone wanted this box, and GW did not estimate how much everyone wanted this box to the point where, like, they were even telling, like, they'd send out emails saying, like. Pre-orders open at this time based on your time zone. Yeah. Like in your nationality, it's going to open here. In this area, it's going to open here. It's in this area, it's going to open here. Who would have guessed that like releasing plastic models that we've been waiting on for 20 years would be in demand? Hold on a second. Hold on. I'm going to stop us for one moment and take a moment and point out that they got upset 
and went, I didn't know this was going to happen when they released Celestine and plastic and everything flew off the yeah. shelves and the internet blew up. I know. It, yeah. I, I don't understand. How dense do you have to be? Come on. But – all right. Fine. Now I'm going to drive that in the opposite direction and uh, point to uh, Games Workshop being an economic genius, <laughs> considering that they're looking for the cost versus uh, the uh, supply versus demand into a certain point where they are driving the uh, desire for this kit up to the point. I have uh, talked to a bunch of different people and they said, literally when the sisters come out, I will be ordering pallets of them and they will fly off the shelves. If I'm not mistaken, that is exactly what's happening. Oh, yeah. No, it is. The local game store that I happen to be working with, uh, Phoenix Games, actually happens to be getting in nine of those. Two of them have been spoken for, and the other seven are going to probably fly off the shelves within the first 20 minutes of that store opening. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, My my friendly local game store, Pulp Fiction Comics and Games, reached out to me and said, we can get a certain number of these in. Do you want one? So, like, they got me on the list. Yeah. Of, like, the Tuesday that they could open up their pre-orders. I mean, I appreciate them taking pre-orders, but I'm going to – I am – I'm going to take the opposite end where I'm – as a consumer, and I'm not technically yeah. buying it, but I, as a consumer, I'm frustrated because I'm limited to just that. This is the, the only method. Yeah, this is the only method of getting it unless I want to pirate and or I have to wait until – what another January. three months? Two months. Two three but months. We don't yeah. know when in January. Yeah. yeah. So it could be like it could be end of January. It could be beginning of January. Yeah. We don't know. And it goes back to the old adage as well. We're like GW's. Like we're a models company. Uh, they, they, they've changed that. They've, they've really pushed. Them. No, no. They've pushed off of that a lot. Yeah. Considering no, how no, successful I'm, they've been pushing all the side games sure. and specialists. Yeah. I'm not. Really I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Uh, I'm not accused of them. Of I that think now. they underestimated. I. I thought. I think what happened was. They looked at the number of existing sisters players and figured that's the demand level because no, no, no. but no, I no. think that's I think that's the mistake they made. Yeah, no, that's I a think, fair mistake. I think it's they look at well, how many people, how how much are current sisters selling? How many people have written written into us and said, "I play sisters. I would like to," or "I've always wanted to play sisters, but I couldn't get it." And now it's an opportunity to get in on something, and then everybody wants it. But Although I also have to wonder how many people are getting this to resell stuff to. Although that, I know they did. Yeah. Now I think they did limit pre-orders to one per on when, for individuals. They did. Yeah. So that you know that helped nip that in the bud somewhat. We've also been like they've also been posting the sister bulletins for the last year and a half. Oh, so I'm so gonna. Like, yeah. They knew they were so building. They, so they knew they were building hype, and they can tell. I'm sure they probably saw an uptick in those articles oh, yeah. on. The community site over other ones. So it's like it, they should have probably had a better handle. So I'm going to take kind of a weird angle on this. Um, a, a good way. So so we can kind of agree that that 40k is is mostly rule or mostly run and and participated by men in general, right? I, I don't think anyone would disagree. No. So yeah, and and having females in the in the gaming environment is a is a much preferred kind of thing. So. My my point is that a lot of a lot of men with wives or friends or sisters or whatever like that are probably going to be pushing those sisters' models towards them and going, hey, you should buy this box when it comes out because it's going to be awesome. It's coming with yeah. all the kits. And that's kind of a disappointment to not be able to turn around and go, hey, you should get in on the hobby when you've been hyping this for a year. And you have well, to- and like when we talked with Amanda from Warhammer 40K Couple, yeah. like, you know, she wrote into us and said that when – like, she started off doing basing for her husband, Ethan. Yep. Uh, you know, just, like, to kind of take part in his hobby, to be supportive. Yeah. And then they went to a GW store, and she saw Harlequins, and they had they have female, female Harlequin bodies. Yeah. There. And she's like, 
hey, I, you know, again, it, it's the whole idea of representation yep. and something I can identify with, something that's cool to me. And so, yeah, Sisters is an, is an opportunity for an army like that. Now, I, I obviously not all Sisters players are are going to be women. No, you know, absolutely I, not. But it but, is an, it is a model, yeah. or you know, it is an army that uh, they are really. It appeals to a different demographic than, yeah. Than, yeah. than the rest of the game. Well, and I know my wife was like, when Plastic Sisters get released, which was ne- you know never going to happen, one of those white <laughs> unicorn events, uh, I'll play 40K. So I reminded her when it was actually coming out that she could actually play it. And then she, she, she switched over to squats. Like, no, yeah, squats. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then she, she progressively whirl, rolled her eyes and then and told me, yeah, okay. No, no, she, she actually might. I but, believe Mrs. Hunt also said the same thing about X-Wing. However, I haven't seen her play X-Wing in quite some time. Hey, let's so. not bring that up, right? That is sore spot. Sore spot, and she might kill you. So, oh, but, hey, so I'll take that penalty. Unfortunately, not a GW game, so we don't have to dwell on it. Here. That's fair. So, But my point is that I, I can't turn around and go, hey, this box set is coming out. I'm buying it for you for Christmas or, you know, just because I'm a nice guy and whatever like that. Or, or she can go out and buy it herself. Um, that's the problem is yeah. that she can't. And well, she could have if she had been in that twenty-seven minute window before yeah. orders opened up and before it was gone. And let me tell you, with uh, with a mother of two kids, she's not going to be doing. No, that. <laughs> this is part of a larger trend that GW's been doing. That's kind of annoying me a little bit. Things like the the funk, not Funko, uh, the, the the things like the Bandai um, primary uh, primaris marine model. Mm-hmm. That was very limited edition and sold out super quickly. A lot of the characters that have come out only in the specific box sets, you know, Blood of Phoenix or Shadow Spirits like that, they're intentionally choking a lot of the supply on models, and I don't like that. Mm-hmm. And I know eventually they'll release them and they'll get all the kits out on their own, and they'll release the, the you know, Faith and Fury box, whatever they're calling the Sisters box, with... You know, as a starter set, and at, and they'll release the models. And yeah, stuff. yeah. But they're holding they're holding back to artificially create demand, and I don't think they need to. And that's what's that's what's kind of frustrating, especially with the lead time they've had on developing the sisters and getting the models out there. I mean, they've had a year and a half to think about this at least. And and odd thing, yeah. And odd thing too is that they're they're coming in with their November promise date, but just barely with. Just a technically kind of, hey, we released that sister's box and codex and eh, I'm... To be honest, I would have preferred them waiting until January. I'll, I'll be honest, yeah. Everything all at once. If they, if they would have been like, hey, we're going to do the special edition box set in December for Christmas time and then we're releasing it immediately in January 1 where you can get the rest of the sisters, I would have been much happier as a, as a consumer. I would have been... But that... That's an overarching thing. Yeah, I can appreciate that idea personally. Uh, however, it does seem a lot like more so a uh, pay-to-play situation, yeah. which mm-hmm. definitely has been coming off. And you know, even any situation, welcome to loot boxes, welcome to any you know situation like that in any video game. Uh, pay-to-play is definitely coming up a lot more these days than it has been previously. And thankfully, I'm a little bit more so uh, thankful for my friendly local gaming store. Uh, Phoenix Games has also been helping out with uh, Kyle, who is the general manager, has asked me to assist in the development and building of the Sisters Army for one Cheryl Matinzins, who is one of the friends of the show, one of the friends of Alex and Mm -hmm, myself. mm -hmm. And, you know, 
we're having a, a situation uh, going here soon that is just going to be flat out just a benefit for her. And I'm helping build all the models for them as well as Kyle is helping to paint them. It's going to be a situation where it does feel like a pay-as-you-go or pay-to-play. But And I do uh, also wish that it would have come out in January where it doesn't feel like it ostracizes a certain player group. Where, you know, if I'm not, if I'm a personal person who wants to play Sisters, but I don't have the opportunity to pick up the box set where there's only been a 27 minute window that they're selling them or can't find them at a friendly local gaming store, it definitely feels like a little bit more of a concern. And I'm, I'm 100% agreeing with you guys that it is, you know, it, it, it's a drive in the incorrect direction. Yeah. I wouldn't say the wrong direction 100%, but an incorrect direction to appeal to the player base. Yeah, it makes it inconvenient for the players. And I get economically why you do it. Like, I, I fully understand the business justification for doing it. That doesn't mean I have to like it. <laughs> <laughs> I I can also appreciate that. However, I think one of the things that really drove them to uh, uh, striving towards this path is uh, 100% the amount of Sisters players that have been playing in the ITC Absolutely. or more of a competitive crowd, which seems to be the way that they've been appealing more so thanks to uh, events such as Adapticon or Nova or other events like that. They didn't understand the supply yeah. or the demand. And I feel like if they would have uh, over-exaggerated the demand and underestimated the uh, supply, uh, they would have definitely done a better, uh, you know, a November release rather than a January release. Because welcome to Black Friday. Welcome to Christmas, Muddy. Welcome to the new player who wants to play that uh, clerical nun with a gun. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Yeah. And I think it's interesting that GW did apologize. They did put out a post apologizing lack of foresight. However, they don't really they, they really don't have a, a fix for the situation. Like in the past, remember when like Space Hulk came out and sold out immediately, and then like several months or a couple months later, like And it wasn't just that. They found nine per store in the warehouse where they had developed and created uh, 30 extra copies per store that they had uh, not just sent out. Yeah. yeah, They just felt like holding on to them to see if their supply or demand was necessary and, to provide. And I think that's probably... I don't know. Do I think they're holding back Sisters boxes? I don't think so in this case. I think they legitimately did not produce enough. Now, I know like after they sold out and after this like apology was released, our local Warhammer store said... Hey, j- just in case you did weren't able to pre-order it, we're going to have a very limited number on shelf to sell. Yeah. So like they they kept some for this for their own stores, which makes sense. Sure. But you know, that wanted to make sure we it's not just a pre-order only item. And I and I appreciate that plastic relaunch of an entire army is expensive, it's time consuming. It it's, takes a long time for molds. Molds are get. It's not like they've ever done this before, Dark Eldar. Right. But that's <laughs> the other thing. So, like, I'm a little more forgiving of the Bandai Primaris Intercessor model because True. they're partnering with another company. They don't trick, them, and that's the first time they do it. So, I'm a little bit more. Yeah, yeah it, but it's this outside is, their normal realm. Yeah, of product. This is they've relaunched entire armies in plastic before in the past several years. Death Guard, Thousand Suns. Um, 
effectively chaos marines. I miss those. And they rolled as Mechanicus, Adeptus Custodes. Yeah, uh, Harlequins came out as a whole new army. Like, not like they've been able... We don't see any shortages with the other stuff. So it's it's, it's definitely an overset on their side for how much demand they had. And... I don't know. I hope they correct. But, I hope they can correct it and get the models out there. But, the but also, but as you said, it. it's not like they haven't been building hype for this for a year yeah. and a half. I mean, when they did the first big 40K community survey and what did they say? All the overwhelming feedback was, when do we get Plastic Sisters? When do we get Plastic Sisters? So it's like, okay, yeah, we heard you. We're going to do the thing. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I want to actually point to is the idea that Games Workshop is releasing them over the weekend of Black Friday. Now, uh, it can't be not intentional. It's definitely not intentional. However, I kind of wonder if they're not doing the same thing or same idea as Space Hulk. They have some in reserve. They're going to bring them out uh, coming up for the Christmas release. Draw people into this. In and saying, hey, guys, uh, if you want to pick these up on January 1st, fantastic. January 1st is going to be the release date for the rest of the sisters. However, uh, we have a select few. Now, select few is going to be a really particular wording for that one. They're going to say that we have a select few to be able to be released on uh, December 24th or Christmas or around there for the relative uh, GW stores. Now, I feel like that would be a economic standpoint, but, you know, personally, that's what I would do if I were in a Games Workshop's shoes. Yeah. Do the uh, infamous Star Wars empty box Christmas thing. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Here you go. Here's your box. Here's your sister's special edition box. Pick the models up on the first. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Exactly. I, I'm, here's the thing, though. Aside from, from all the things, and we're hammering GW a little bit, which is probably the reason why we didn't get a copy of the of the box. I don't think you guys no. are hammering them real no, quick. It's I, actually, I mean, no, it's I, it's I, hopeful. I think, well, I think most of the outlets that got an advanced copy of this no. are video, are video oh. outlets. Are, and are way more. Oh, I mean, let's be honest here, guys. You guys are significantly popular, but yeah. The viewer counts is not even. The thing I would get at that I'm really <laughs> super excited about and super optimistic about is the player demand. And how fast it's sold out. Because that means that there is a player demand for sisters, which means they are going to continue to make those models and we're going to see those armies more often. And I'm super excited about that because, as we mentioned before, with the representation, that draws more people into the hobby. Absolutely. It gets new, it gets new people playing. It gets that's that's the positive takeaway. Plastic Sisters is one of the two things that we've been hammering on for a very long time. It's a net boon for and the it's game. absolutely it's absolutely it. I mean, let's be honest here, guys. It's the next step in playing the game and inclusiveness with, uh, you know, developing another player base to play 40K. Yeah. Uh, you know, coming from the idea of me running the friendly or the night joust at Renegade Open, it comes to the point where, you know, we had uh, one person or two people that were absolutely brand new to the game. And yeah. I've never seen somebody so excited. It was great. Both of them were just absolutely roaring with laughter about being able to play with their giant Imperial Knight. Well, and, and yeah, Knight Just have been fantastic for introducing. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yes. Absolutely. It it brings down the idea of having to develop an entire army with completely different rules. Here is your one model. Have fun with it. There's no crazy rules. It's a giant spectacle. This is my one big model. If this That's is it. if this is the segue we're going to take for a moment, I, I will point out. I, I really want to give props to the community overall, all the players at the night joust, night joust at the Renegade Open on Friday night, because um, two new players were sitting out there, not sure about the rules. 
They, they didn't know anything. Uh, sometimes the, the people that invited them weren't able to necessarily coach them or give them advice because they were rolling their own yep. dice. And honestly, the, the community being able to step up and, and really go, no, no, this is what you need to roll. Yeah. No, no, roll that, roll that. And they're roll all excited. Here's yeah. yeah and, here's, and here's why. Here's oh, yeah. You but yeah. you never got the sense of any of the more established players going, yeah, they okay. weren't. They weren't frustrated. Yeah. Rolling their eyes, they were like, they were all engaged. Like, yes, we're really excited for you and, guys. And kind of yeah. explain, like, hey, here's the strategy. Like, if you do yep. this, the, you know, like your best play is yeah. probably this. But also, but then not telling them, okay, this is what you should do. Yeah, yeah, it's like just kind of pointing out, like, well, they're going to do this if you don't. Like, this, which one's the biggest threat? Well, that one probably is because it can do this. Yep. This one's the biggest threat because it could do that. Yeah. Absolutely, and and there was a lot. Uh, there was a lot of sarcasm and, and enjoyable banter <laughs> thrown around that was great. That really let them know that they were included in the yeah. uh, event. Um, and honestly, uh, just going, yeah, you should do this. Totally. Ha <laughs> ha. And they were kind of being sarcastic about it. And they're like, no, 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 don't do that. That's a dumb idea. Here's the reason why that's a dumb idea. When they looked up, the look on their face was like, oh, is that really what I should do? No, that is not what you should do. You should not run at that model. That's stupid. You should go and shoot that model because it's way smarter to do. And here's run the reason why. At, run at the giant corn bottle with the giant chain axe. Yes, or, or yeah, yeah. Go, I'm going to hit him with a cleaver but real quick. You Don't can worry. Tell, both of those new players made it to the final four. Yeah. Yes, they, they did. did. And you could, at that point, they were really starting to make their own decisions. Yes, they, they were. were. Putting on their own, they were strategizing on their own. Yeah. And, Target prioritizing and yeah. One of the one of the new players was actually my coworker, and he came in not knowing anything about the game, not knowing how it played, had never rolled dice before. And by the end, he's like, "Okay, I know I'm needing threes to hit. I'm needing fours to wound. I need I need fives to wound on this one. Perfect. Okay, and this is the reason why." And he was actually able to, uh, you know, make banter with it too, and throw shade at me as his coworker. Of course, um, being able to do that. Without much issue. And I loved it. It was yeah. fantastic. So I, I, my point to this is I want to throw a shout out to all those players at the Night Jaws for putting up with some new players and really welcoming them into the community. Even if they don't stick around, that makes memories. Yeah. Yes. And that is the strongest thing you can make. Well, and, and just to just because we're talking about it. So who ended up winning the Night Jaws? Uh, so uh, I can't take uh, credit. Okay. So I did. Uh, this I, <laughs> I, it's, oh yeah, it, so that's why. Yeah, you're, you're all right. So yeah, that's why I wanted to bring it up and, and prop myself up before the mountain of yeah. <laughs> Shut up. So, the, <laughs> um, yes, I, I took the win. It was my actual my first actual win in Knights Joust. Yeah, I, he's I've always been, been best painted previously. He's yes. always been like that third place on the pedestal with that best painted trophy sitting right underneath it. Now this time he actually took it. Yeah, I actually took overall. it. It felt really good. I'm I'm it, that was probably one of the proudest moments that I've had. I I I, I love Night Jaws. Is this the second Canis Rex you've won? Look, I don't want to talk about from it. From okay? me, yes. Uh, <laughs> from the Renegade Open, yes, it has been the second. Uh, let me just say to be the best, you got to beat the best. So I, I tip. Oh, all right. That's how we're going to go. Way okay, setting right. up for next year. Two-time defending champion. That is true. That is true. And the only reason, of course, you do realize the only reason you were <laughs> two-time defending champion was because you used a broke-ass model that is no longer it is allowed. no more broke-ass than any of the four tools. I, I, will I hear Doom Tractor for I 500 for I, I firmly disagree with that. I will um, point out that, that Kevin... Two-time winner at the Renegade Open, and Sherry, one-time winner at at Midwest Conquest, was uh, was coaching one of the new players. Yeah. Uh, so Sherry was actually coaching one of the new players that that came into the top four, and um, and so yeah. 
two two all-time winners rolling into the top four, and then I'm like, oh god, I know how to paint really well. I can roll dice pretty decently. Uh, but yeah, it, it was I was I was happy to say that, and I would I was more than happy to hand off the best painted award to a uh, one Mister Rob Barr oh, for for taking it because that is a beautifully painted night. Um, as much lacking crap, in it's lacking in definite <laughs> character, but you know what? I can, I can look that aside. No, in all seriousness, no, as much crap as I give you for it, it is a fantastically painted night and you it's, deserve it, sir. Yeah, it is really well painted. No, but no, it's no. Imperium, so it should have character. Well, yeah, you know. Ew. When you uh, come off the line, you don't do anything. I mean, really. <laughs> <laughs> so surprisingly, I'm going to be the one that segues us back to the initial point of this entire conversation. But that was your event. I mean, let's be honest. It is one of my two events. Uh, pulling back into the segue and oh, the geez. initial thought process, uh, the inclusiveness of the new generation of for- Warhammer 40K players has been just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, me personally, I started out 40k back in the late end or the endings of third edition, the beginnings of fourth edition. Mm-hmm. And, you know, playing in my friendly local gaming store, being able to go to the events and be able to play with my friends, you know, it, it I never felt like I was 100% included in the general overall thought process of 40k. And that consistently would keep up until probably 5th edition or 6th edition when Games Workshop uh, really drove the point home and of being able to uh, breach the community outreach uh, idea of just, hey, you know, this this is a thought process. Let's give the people what they want. Let's give the people 100% of what they're looking for. And considering that the Games Workshop of nowadays to Games Workshop of three or four years ago, it is a entirely different beast that oh, is yeah. looking for community outreach, that is looking for us yeah. as a player base, uh, you know, coming from both a player and a tournament organizer. They're looking for us to help them. Yeah. And, you know, coming from the person that's been playing for as long as I have been, you know, probably not as much as any of these guys here sitting, uh, it really feels good coming from a new person looking to play the game, even with these super weird uh, game types, the night shouts, the friendly, the double, uh, every thought, every weird uh, scenario that you could toss out to a player. It really feels good to just you know, be able to pull somebody else into it, even if it's just for a single game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely let's is. pull the people in. Let's drive the point home and let's give the inclusiveness that they feel because it never, I never felt like I was ostracized as a player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that I think is a completely uh, unique form of our community because it just never feels like I'm, I'm out there. I'm a secondary person. It always felt like I could get grabbed by the shoulder and pulled into a game. Yep. 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 Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah. So, segue. A segue <laughs> really fast, Paul Best Blart. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> totally, totally expected. Other news and new releases real oh, quick. Uh, there is a new Chaos Sorcerer model. Oh, by the way. Awesome. Yeah. I love it so much. Wow. And, and they have the sample one done in Alpha Legion colors, which has yeah. make you happy. It's so good. And then, of course... Primaris Mephiston. Yeah, no. Which is 
I don't like Blood Angels. I'm not like but it's such a gorgeous model. I gotta really send that to my buddy who who uh, is in and out. He loves Blood Angels and has not touched the game in a long time. But he it's, it's great because they oh man the yeah no the original yeah oh, no, it's, it's gorgeous. So cool. and, and so then they awesome. did and the fact that they did a, like an an arm swap in there yeah. so you can either do the plasma yeah. pistol out or you can have him like doing the wiping his mouth like yeah. he's doing and that plasma yeah, pistol is beasty. That, yeah, no, it looks so good. It's a BV plasma pistol. I, now, I, one of the things that I've heard online is a lot of people are giving the gripe about is the gloves. Right, but that has been a thing of, of psychers forever. Ding, ding, ding. I, I am I'm 100% with you, Kevin, right there. Like, because why, why is this the thing we're complaining about? Why would you want Ceramite to block your psychic powers and be able to cast and when you, you can have leather gloves and be able to defend yourself with yeah, psychic powers? Like, it's it's nice. It's, it's all about... It's all about touching the warp, you know? Really <laughs> intimate. Dust. It's all about really getting intimate with that, that warp, and you know? you want to feel that, that, that connection. I really just want to get really feely with that warp, <laughs> you know? <laughs> If you went back and like, because in one of the one of the forms that I'm in, somebody was complaining about like, why would you wear gloves? And then literally, like, they were like, why is GW pushing this on us? And then there's somebody just posted all of the classic sorcerer models. Like, I they, know. They're all like, it's always been like this. That like, third edition sorcerer model that has the gloves. Did yeah. anybody complain about the Phobos? Phobos well, yes, library. I'm sorry, Milady, the pre- the librarian. <laughs> Tipping that yeah. fedora for the day for yeah, the ages. Yeah, they complain about it just because they complain about everything. Okay, I mean, enough, the internet. They didn't complain about the gloves on that. One. I mean, you touched Reddit, and that was the problem. <laughs> <laughs> the salt factory yeah. that it's known as Reddit. <laughs> and along with Mephiston, we're also getting the third Psychic yes. Awakening book, which is Blood and Talons. Oh man, that's gonna be fun! Yeah. So excited. Who, who's in that, by the way? So we know it's Blood Angels and Nids. Ooh, yeah. and I'm I thinking think. that based on some of the other things that have happened, like it's mentioned in the Blood Angels Codex, and also on the Devastation of Ball. They show. They're showing Necrons in a lot of the... That wouldn't that, surprise me. That doesn't me. surprise me at no, all. That doesn't surprise me, but they've also... Uh, like, one of the things that was mentioned in those books is that, like, when one of the planets in the ball system was being attacked, like, the Blood Angels had to, like, evacuate it, and when they came back, all the Nids were dead. Mm. All of them. Oops. And the skulls of the Nids had all been piled up into the sigil of Cabanda, the bloodthirster who fought Sanguinius. I don't remember that. So, so there is a non-zero chance. I'm not saying it's in there for sure, but there's a non-zero chance that corn demons will get coverage in that book. I will point out when when the Blood Angels come back and they're like, well, wait, we got to appreciate corn? Really? I mean, they're is that what closer, we're doing? They're a lot closer to line than anybody wants. Look, let's not get into the semantics of the situation. Whoa, whoa, okay? whoa, whoa! <laughs> here now, I'm I'm hearing a lot of Blood Angels players screaming in the comment section of this this podcast. Let's be honest here. There's a slight bit of taint, but the space will still have a little bit more. Ooh. True. True. And it, <laughs> my name is Jake Linfors. I will take as much penalty as I can for that. You can one. find him at the email address of. Oh man! Not nearly as bad as those gray knights, though. Oh, self burn. That's a thick one. And then, yeah. lastly, we got uh, the. The not a Codex Index Imperialis for Inquisition. In uh, I'm so excited about that. Uh, eh. I wish it were it's, more. Yes, I do too. I, I as I was as we were talking beforehand, I cannot wait until they decide to blow Inquisition out into like its upper force. 
and I, release see, kits. I, and I stuff still don't think that's ever going to happen. They also, no. like, I can see a few new plastic kits to recreate what they've already done. Yeah. I don't see... So, or I, if I see anything, I see a kill team set. Yeah, yes. so that's that's what I was thinking. That like, could be used with these rules. Uh, I would have I would have rather them push towards a kill team uh, codex or supplement or something yeah. like that, and just said we're removing them from 40k. They're going directly into kill team. Enjoy the fact that they're not relegating them to legends. Yeah. That, yes. that gives me hope that they have an idea for them down there. See, that was your first mistake, was giving them hope. Yeah, well, <laughs> no, the thing is, what, here's the thing. <laughs> my hope for Plastic Sisters after about 15 years finally panned out. Oh, okay, that's, so that, that, that's your plan? You played a long game. So and the clock resets to zero. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that, Kevin. played a long game. Uh-huh, all right, and cool. We, have, we, have two, or we have a Plastic and a Fine Cast uh, Inquisitor, because we've got Eisenhorn and Fine Cast and Grey Facts and Plastic. Don't Inquisitor. remind I me. I love that Eisenhorn model so, so much. That Eisenhorn so. model is glorious if you can actually deal with resin, and it sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True. Now, GW, can you please go to Forge World and talk? To, no, okay. Right, I hear I'm, sold for five hundred, Rebecca. <laughs> one one thing that I, I honestly and I really wish that they would go back to the the thought process of it on is the third edition Witch Hunters Codex. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now I really want them to uh, push forwards with the like the Inquisitor or the uh, the Inquisitor Inquisitorious. Uh, codex that they've released in the White Dwarf now. If they could push forwards uh, after, like immediately after Witch Hunters or the Sisters of Battle Codex to drive forwards that point home of just creating this unified Imperium, uh, pushing forward the Inquisitors, driving them to their own Codex and being able to run them uh, effectively or toss over to the 3rd edition Witch Hunters Codex where they include the Inquisitors in the Sisters of Battle Codex, because let's be honest here, that was the Sisters of Battle's Codex. Yeah. With some extra bits like uh, Inquisitorial Stormtroopers, i.e. Adeptus Custodes, which drives in a tie-in. Uh, hey, let's bring over those Necromunda models into 40k because they're cool. Well, like when they or the fifth edition Grey Knights Codex, where they had all the exactly stuff in there. Like, hold on a second, are you saying that they might actually reprint the Grey Knights Codex to be semi good? Never, no, <laughs> no. Is that a hopeless dream? Should I just sell mine? <laughs> Reset clock. Yeah. God damn it! <laughs> that that clock is a lot longer than the other one, but yeah, that no. also is zero. Make Grey Knights great again is just you know behind like a cage that's just hanging on the wall. Yeah, that's that with the tenfold. Woo! Ew. All right, blacked out for, for a second. I'm coming back. What's going on? What a miss. Stroking out. You have to remember to wipe the blood off. <laughs> oh, right. Woo! Oh, man. I need a Kleenex. Anybody? This no? is going to be a very entertaining episode. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> However, I do like that Inquisition, you can now throw an Inquisitor into any Imperium army. without. That is cool. Not, yes. not, not only without taking up a slot, but without interfering with any other abilities. So, like, you could have one in a Space Marine army. You could have one in a... I love that. I love yeah. the thematics of that. Yeah, because just, them rolling in and going, nope, this is mine now, and you get zero say yeah, in it, just can, works. Hey, guys, I'm here now. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> when they put that rule in and I read that, I was like, nope, that's perfect. You guys nailed it. Did yeah. it first time. Absolutely the best chance you could. So I, I hope, because, so they also, as part of this, they released today... Uh, made to order Agents of the Throne, which is all the the old metal. metal. All metal. Oh, okay. Oh. My God, these models are awful. <laughs> <laughs> Holy I'm sorry, crap. what? Those demon hosts with the single Ooh, horn coming out? They're just so sexy. good. God, they're so bad. Oh, man. The old, the old the, the, is awesome. <laughs> and some of the old assassin models are 
fun. Here, let me like point at you. I like how you just search for that word for a bit. Good. They're fun. He had a like, dig for like it. The, um, like the 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 Eversword here. Oh man! Like that's a cool model with him holding the severed head of the of the human and like the bloody sword. That's a cool model. I wouldn't say it's a good model. I'm not at all surprised cool that model. Kevin likes running the chitin if he likes severed heads and you know holding them in hands. Who would have thought? We Kevin, I want you to look at my look at, look into my eyes really quick. Look into my eyes really quick. I need you to say that to me and mean it. What? That it's a cool model. It's a yeah. cool looking now, model. The no, no, look at look at my eyes. I do it's love cool that model. model. Okay, yeah. cool. Professor I'm... Kiranoff is still, <laughs> that's that's still one of the better models. Although it, that man screams, by the way. Although I will say, <laughs> listen, the, the, uh, the priest in Blackstone <laughs> Fortress model is, is oh, oh no, one hundred percent better. It, it is a copy that's paste. The, that's the best one, but it's yeah, none, none of these are good. We were actually looking at the. Uh, the 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 faces on those and woof. <laughs> it's not dialogue bad, but woof. I hate it when my when my fat lip just gets in the way of me preaching. By the way, they did show what the new dialogus model is going to look like. It actually looks like the a holy DJ. Yeah, it looks like I would also like to point out that the visitor, yeah, the one of the assassins, yeah, the yeah, sort has a different colored base. This this irks me <laughs> on the site. Like wow, the painting salt is real. I don't even think I noticed that. I did not notice that until you pointed that out. That's great. <laughs> um, well, that's back in the day when they used to paint all their bases green. So oh, that's, man. That tells you how old. Yeah, yeah right? ancient history. Yeah. Welcome back. So. Yeah. The yeah, 90, the 90s literally called and they want it all I'm back. Not gonna be buying <laughs> For those of us that didn't spend much time in the 90s, I honestly like the model sculpts this, and I'm just going to say that. This mm. reminds me though of how much they need to redo these in plastic. This, yeah. No, well hold on, hold on a second. They they've redone well, all these in plastic and they look fantastic. Uh, not the assassins. Oh, okay, all right. So I, all right. Yeah, yeah. It would just happen to be on the assassins like pictures. Considering this is one, you know, this was one body. And, yeah. you, know, you could tell they had three masters and they just changed the arms. You could redo that as a plastic kit. With all the options, yeah, and it wouldn't be that hard. Like it would be a fan, and it would be fantastic. The Space Marine Captain bit uh, uh, box, which is like the one box that's like three sprues that has like seventy five different arms and stuff. Yeah, you can easily make some. Oh yeah, see that's one thing. Thing is though, for characters, they've really been leaning more into the mono pose. Maybe your option is a helmet or not, and and it's. It's kind of disappointing, but you could, but you could still do this mono pose with like. A couple six different, different arms. arms. Yeah, and like one, well, you could do this. Like this is this could be your. Um, and I'm, let me get my orders right here. This could be your order. You know, order Hereticus. Hereticus. This could be order Hereticus. This could be your order Malleus. Malleus. And what's the other? Xenos. Xenos. And and you, you could easily release three of them and just have different weapons. Didn't they add a, f- a fourth? Oh no, they've added several. Let's uh, be honest here. There's like thirty different well, ordos. All the all the other the little ones are covered by uh, Minoris, which Minoris. is basically like uh, reroll hits and wounds against characters. <laughs> here, give me a sec. My uh, my narrative player just showed for a second. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, I I would love to see these models eventually get something in plastic. Either oh yeah, kill team or. Just as a deep. box set, like Rogue Trader, like we have we have two plastic Rogue Traders. Just, just and the, like how just the demon host. Just give Gregor just give Eisenhord something to to well, talk like the, to. Uh, I mean they do. The it's the talents that they release in the sisters box actually look really good. They do. So it's like it's possible to make models that look like that and get them designed. Oh, the Crusader they did for Blackstone Fortress. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh it's so good. Yeah. yeah. So they're putting these models out there slowly. It's like just 
Give steam and hot. The one sister with the chainsaw flamer is mm. probably oh, one of my favorite yeah. GW oh, yeah. models. Of oh, yeah. Oh, and then the, and like, so good. <laughs> and then even just like the, the enemies, like the Chaos Psyker, like the Rogue Psyker in the Blackstone Fortress set. Yes. And they've been pushing that, like, because they re- they released a new starter set for Necromunda that has, like, new zone mm-hmm. Talus terrain in it. Mm-hmm. And then they've been pushing, like, hey, if you want to, re- and I guess the new gang that comes with it, one of them is a Chaos Gang. Yep. And so they've been saying, like, hey, here's the, here's the free rules for doing your own Chaos Gang, and, like, you can use the stuff from Blackstone Fortress to make cultists and psychers and stuff They're like that. They're working on releasing a trader card. They have or, to be. Or, or Last in the Damn Codex. Like, they're building towards it. I'm not going to lie. I'm here for uh, Judge Dredd and the Adeptus Custodes coming in as an actual 40k. Custodes? You mean the... the Arbites. Adeptus Arbites, thank you. Which they do kind of have with, like, the Palantine Enforcers. Yeah. Yeah. It's not quite the same. Let's just port it over real quick, the Witch Hunters Codex. Hold on, I got an idea. All right, I'm going to pitch this. I just really want you guys to hear this right now. Okay, what what if we did all that? What if we did all that, put it all into one book, and then called it Imperial Agents? What do you think? Um, I'm a, I don't have a problem with it now under the Starbucks <laughs> podcast, which we've talked about a bunch of times. Oh, yeah. No. We got, got crapped on for our review in 7th edition, but 7th edition was not designed for that. Hey, listen, from from my car to your guys' ears, it was definitely, definitely absolutely true. <laughs> now, we're looking at a picture of the Palantine Enforcers, and I want to just point out, there's a dude with, like, basically a 44 Magnum uh, straight-up Hellboy gun. So, yeah. This is so and he, cool. And he just, he's really feeling it right now. <laughs> so these are, these are not available right now. Like, they're they're sold out, so, like, they're getting more of them. But because they're, well, but they're in the court, they're in the new, or there's a They're in the new book. In the new box, yeah. Oh, they're in the new box, okay. Yep. I want to get a unit of these to run as acolytes for my. Wait, are they seriously on there as forty two dollars down at the bottom? I don't know what side I'm on. Yep. I mean, I lose like forty two dollars right there, buddy. Yep, you're on you're on US. Uh, I am hundred percent for this. Yeah. I want this now. 10, guys. The, necro, the, necro, the Necromunda boxes, Kings, are cheap for what they're such a good and they value. They have a ton of options too. They did do. Do they hit the person in the marketing department and just like, you know, slap a post and note on something? I don't know. But Swap like the, it really the quick. Orlock gang, the Orlock <laughs> gang is really good for like Chaos Cultists because mm-hmm. they have a very similar design aesthetic to the current Cultists. They do. The, um, the, uh, what's the, it's like Dar, it's something with a D, I forget what it's called. Delask? Delask. Yes. Delak. Delak is also really good for like Chaos Cultists because it's like this, like, it's, oh, there's, there's Co- so The Coddles, trench coats and the, the kind is of. great if you want to do like, it is. uh, Word Bearers Cultists. Um, so it's like, I, I, I still wish they brought back for Terrace Militarum for Sisters, which they, they, they did. Yeah. Uh, as, thing- as a paint judge, I have zero qualms with uh, throwing around the idea of conversions and things. I love to see those around. One thing that I wanted to point over to uh, that I always thought was super interesting, especially about the Delac models, was uh, the GW design team was a part of the Adepticon team tournament this past year, and they use their uh, a unit of Delac models, the the ten models that come in this box, as sergeants for a Gene Stealer cult army. Ooh. And I'm not gonna lie, it was probably one of the most impressive things I've seen, and I've copied that so hard. It is. Was it one of those you, you you walk past and your like neck just stays looking at it as your body keeps walking forward and you snap back? I was playing a ringer oh. for that event and I thought, man, you know what? I'm using that as like an overseer for a mining encampment. Oh, like, yeah. Just yeah. 100% driving oh, they're through. So, they're so good. Models. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. They fit the aesthetic just way too well. They like really the pale do. faces, the trench coats, you're good to go. You've even got like this one guy with like a ridge on his head. You could just cut 
Oh yeah, notches in it. Yeah, yeah. that to make you like. Mm-hmm. What a try hard. Drive forward to the idea that you're right. I mean, I've honestly he's used a, one. He's as a, OG. It's a conversion oh, okay. for a Primus. Yeah, yeah. Well, and thing is, like some of these, like they've got these high collars, which makes them fit the aesthetic, almost the aesthetic of like the new ma- or like the female Magus they've got. Yeah, the good Magus point. Too. Yeah, exactly. So like it's the like bald you can head. Have this very consistent. No, yeah. Look and feel. You toss out the Magus for the new kit. You toss out one of these guys, especially if they're dual wielding guns as a Primus. You give them a bone sword from the Locust kit, yeah. and you're good to go. Mm-hmm. You're rock. You're rocking and rolling with a super cool army that is really unique. Or you've even got like this guy here with the staff. Yeah, be that's a Magus. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Drive yeah. forward. Is is Kane or the dude that wants to really stab some folk over there? Uh, really There's your Nexus. Yeah. He's got the yeah. stabby bits, man. Yeah, I'm telling you, <laughs> all about them stabby bits. No, it it like or this whole or you've got the sniper rifle nexus back here if you want to do that. It sounds like you're rocking a sanctus now out of the yeah, the Cult's codex. I'll, I'll be honest, a lot of this kind of stuff and, whenever, you, whenever and with all the headsets and everything, they match the feel of the climb of us. They do. Ladies when, and gentlemen, be creative with your models. Yeah, when when you throw this kind of thing out there, so so going going you know leaning towards a paint judging kind of thing, when you throw that kind of stuff out there, and you can point it out and go, hey, here's a bunch of conversion bits that I'm throwing through. Uh, a lot of times your opponent or your the the judge will go through and really give you high scores because it's unique, it pops out. It's creative. And it's creative, yeah. And you don't even have to put that much work into it, realistically. You can swap bits around without much issue. You can throw it down on a sheet and you can say, hey, this is what I did. If you want to farm points really easily, um, looking behind the curtain, if you want to farm points really easily for a painting uh, to make your army unique and feel good, do that. Tossing small bits like that really out there for a lot of different armies can really work well. Yeah. Tossing a disclaimer up here real quick. Uh, Alex and myself, Jake, uh, happen to be doing uh, paint judging for the Renegade Open this year, uh, specifically for the 40K event as well as some of the other ones. (laughs) And you 100% just, you know, toss in some super cool story. uh, Make a thematically based army, you know, whatever you want to run. Make something that, you know... You feel good running, and especially if you can make it feel, you know, thematic for me personally, really just drives home the idea of, you know, this person put effort into this army, and it makes it makes a paint judge feel happy. Absolutely. Yeah. What I've run into is is you can tell who's put in effort and who is just slapped three colors on there to play, and that's a big difference. Really Why did you is. look at me directly when you said that? Look, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> I hear but salt I'm, for 500. I did. I did. As you like, right you like look directly at me. As, when you said that. As Imperial I, fist. Like, as you heard through my soul. As, as I have pointed out in the past with you, as I've stated, that's not what I said. That is exactly what I implied. <laughs> there is a difference. Alex is implying that he can't paint yellow. Oh, that's true. It's 100 true. Uh, it's literally true. Red. <laughs> first uh, off you take red and you throw it in the trash <laughs> so how about that segue yeah, again oh away? yeah hey can we get back hey, how to it we, how about we pull away from ourselves when we listen do some listener mail okay sure. I'm down with let's that. do I'm it down with that. All right. so all letters are written by the listeners and if you are a listener and want to know how you can get your letter read on the show I uh, will tell you how at the end of the segment so first up we've got one from Neil Hoffman he's actually got two questions Oh, well, I can't. Oh, no, boy. I, I was not signed up for this. Well, too bad. You're oh, in. damn it. <laughs> you walked in this door. Crap! You, Multiple you, times. Oh, yeah. no. 
Yeah, remember when you blacked out? You signed a waiver. Oh, sorry. I did? <laughs> I'm Wait sorry, a minute. I blacked out, didn't even have to sign a waiver. That's what you Wait did. a minute. <laughs> I have it here. In, oh, you're right. In blood. Wow. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> so, Neil writes, Greetings, preferred enemies. I had a couple of Space Marine rule questions I hoped you could weigh in on. I have a Crimson Fists army and had a couple of questions come up related to stratagems and keywords, none of which I could find answers to in the FAQs. So, question one. As you know, Crimson Fist first received a Codex Supplement in the January 2019 White Dwarf. This was specifically titled as a Codex Supplement rather than an Index. And it contained Warlord traits, abilities, three stratagems, and relics. One of the stratagems in this Codex Supplement was Bolter Drill. This was specifically identified as a Crimson Fist stratagem for one CP applying specifically to Crimson Fists and gave them the ability to roll for an additional hit on a 6-up. In the new Codex Supplement Imperial Fists, the box under... The box states under Stratagems, page 56, that all units from an Imperial Fist successor chapter have the Imperial Fist's keyword for purposes of the Imperial Fist stratagems. One of the Imperial Fist stratagems is Bolter Drill, which is labeled as an Imperial Fist stratagem and applies to Imperial Fist units and gives an automatic additional hit on an unmodified six with a bolt weapon. So functionally the same. Functionally the same. No, that's not good. There. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and are these different and distinct stratagems, despite the same name, such that either could be used by a Crimson Fist unit, or does the new bolter drill from the Imperial Fist Codex supplement trump or replace the white dwarf version that is specific to Crimson Fists? Some potential additional detail. First, the other two stratagems from the Crimson Fist White Dwarf Codex supplement were both included in the Imperial Fist Codex supplement, but those specifically retained the Crimson Fist stratagems rather than, you know, they're specific to Crimson Fist rather than being generic Imperial Fist. Gotcha. Second, the official update to 1.1 of the Codex Space Marines contains a specific designer's commentary addressing the chapter tactics from the White Dwarf Codex supplements, but none of the other rules from the White Dwarf supplements. That same FAQ notes that stratagems from the 2017 edition of Codex Space Marines can't be used if they are not the 2019 version, but says nothing about White Dwarf stratagems. So, fortunately... Do we have a flowchart? (laughs) No, we don't have a flowchart in this case, but... (laughs) Since we knew we were going to be doing listener mail up here in Minnesota, I brought all the relevant books. Look at you. Oh, boy. I was prepared. Look at you. I came. (laughs) And Kevin helped. Yeah, Kevin Kevin showed up from... So, Mr. Rob, could I actually grab the uh, Space Marines Codex for you real quick? Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, So, we've got the uh, January 2019 White Dwarf right here. Fair enough. I can see it. It's here, folks. So... As an independent third party, can you verify that he is holding this codex? I can't. He is, in fact, holding the codex. (laughs) On the stratagems, (laughs) uh, let's see. There's a note. Okay, so here's that bolter drill stratagem. So the Imperial Fist one is also 2CP rather than 1. Oh, So they're not completely identical. They're not. So the the Imperial Fist, or the Crimson Fist White Wolf one says, I used stratagem just before Crimson Fist infantry unit attacks in the shooting phase. Until the end of the phase, each time you make a hit roll of six up for a model from that unit firing a bolt weapon, that model can immediately make another hit roll using the same weapon at the same target. These bonus attacks can generate additional attacks. And then goes on to define what is and isn't a bolt weapon, <laughs> which is actually defined elsewhere in the codex here, so or in the supplement. So yeah. that's not okay. that doesn't have to be duplicated. Uh, the the Imperial Fist supplement says um, 
Use the strategy of your shooting phase when you choose an Imperial Fist unit from your army to shoot with until the end of that phase when resolving an attack made by a model in that unit with a bolt weapon, an unmodified hit roll of six scores an additional hit. So they are not functionally the same. One gives you an extra attack, an extra hit roll. So there's an important note, though, on the stratagems page in Whitehorth. It says, note that for the purposes of the limits of command match play rule, which says you can't use stratagem more than once per phase. Yep. The bolter drill stratagem below is considered to be the same as the identically named stratagem used by the Imperial Fists in Codex Space Marines. Now, the tricky part is that doesn't technically exist in Codex Space Marines because anything that was chapter-specific other than the base chapter tactics was pulled out. Was pulled out and then put into these supplements. Yep. So, how I would rule, and and while an Imperial Fist FAQ has been released since we released or since we received this letter, it didn't address this yeah. issue at all. Oh, why would it? Of course not. Of course not. <laughs> so, how I would rule it is anything in a... If you are dealing with an out-of-date source, such as this... White Dwarf. White Dwarf, where yep. everything else has been copied over. Yep. Everything else is in this book. And you have a, a stratagem that specifically says this should be considered the same as the one in the Codex. I would say anything in a Codex supplement... Basically, treat as if it had been in the codex. Yeah. So my my thinking with it, if if I can, the because the Crimson Fists are considered to be an Imperial Fist successor chapter, they do get access to this. They do yeah. get access to that, and they are are they co- specifically called it in the Imperial Fist successor chapter yeah. codex? So in so in the stratagem page here on the Imperial Fist supplement, there are two Crimson. There's there's the list of Imperial Fist supplements, and then there are two specific Crimson Fist ones, and they are Crimson Fists are specifically called out as a successor. So, and in fact, on page fifty six, if the successor chapter you've chosen is one established in the background of our publications, its founding chapter will often be known. For example, the Crimson Fists are a known successor of the Imperial Fist. Then I would say this this supplement, the the Codex supplement. Imperial Fist overrules yeah. and overwrites the White Dwarf and is officially publicated in yeah. the Codex yes. supplement. Yeah, so yeah, that's basically what I would say. Like, yep. This replaces... Yep, absolutely. Because everything else is replaced, yep. this replaces it as well. Because yep. it is fun- And even because this Codex says, or the White Dwarf says, this should be treated as the same as yep. the one in the Codex. And and I will also point out that it helps you carry around one less magazine. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Basically, yes. you can uh, unless you like the fluff or the painting section from the January 29th. White yeah, that was really solid information. Yeah, it you is. don't you don't need to carry this around. <laughs> Absolutely not. I would 100% agree with these guys. Uh, although for a, a slightly different I- influence, one of the things that Games Workshop has been uh, 100% uh, clear about with a lot of their new publications and their new developments is to use the most current set of rules. Yep. Now, a lot of that comes into as well with the models that you've purchased. If you're purchasing a model, uh, you know, use the model that you purchased, use the base that you purchased, that kind of a thing. However, if you are looking at the rules side, use the most current publication of rules. Yep. It kind of comes into the same idea of like a third edition Space Wolves Codex versus the current Codex. Yep. You know, use the most recent rules that are put out, especially with the uh, Space Marine successor chapters. Definitely 100% the same. Use the current rule set with the 2CP. Uh-huh. Uh, beyond that, uh, yeah, 1CP for Bolter Drill is a little uh, little, little brutal. Yeah. So I, I would, well, that's why it's two now. Yeah, yeah exactly. But also, the, 
it costs two now because this is actually way better because the last one was you just got another yeah. chance to hit. This is just it is. Auto, extra auto hit. It's yep. like so, basically, yep. yeah. it's a two hits for a six. Have fun. Yeah. So I, I agree. I would say that it overrides, but I, I understand where the question comes in. Oh, yeah. I do. Because, Absolutely. Because technically this is Crimson Fist and this is Iron Fist. And they're not Imperial Fist. Imperial, Imperial Fist. Fist. Sorry. Imperial Fist. I'm Iron sorry. I want Iron Hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's getting fisted. Um, <laughs> um, you pay extra for that. Don't ask twice. <laughs> um, you gotta ask. You can't because, afford it. <laughs> but so I understand the confusion because it's not exactly a one to one changeover on Good. the games. And the other one that comes up that, that also causes confusion is, uh, and I forget what the stratagem is for the Tau, but there was a stratagem that became a piece of war gear between the index uh-huh. stim and injectors. Stim, stim injectors. Yes. And they explicitly called out in the FAQ that this no longer applies. Use this one. So I, I get where the confusion comes from because it isn't crystal clear that this replaces that. But absolutely. It, but I think but I think that's absolutely the intent, which is why it's not listed in the FAQs anywhere because GW's like, well, it's in here, so it replaces it. Yep. But I can understand where the confusion comes from. Oh, yeah. From, absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. 100%. Now, coming from a caveat as a tournament organizer of at, at least some uh, skill, n- no skill, the, the answer is zero skill, uh, <laughs> I would suggest uh, if you were providing this to be a tournament or a uh, friendly, narr- like friendly list, um, 100% make sure to either ask your TO or ask your opponent uh, how they would figure that this rule would come into uh, theoretics. Uh, we are a group of people that try to identify as how we would run it. Yes. Some people might choose differently and definitely go with a person that is currently running there. We can give our thought process on it. However, uh, definitely go with a person that is actually directly involved with what you're doing right now. So, so one, one, one minor thing that I would actually like to see if, if GW is listening, that would be, that would be nice to hear. They're not. No, um, actually, they do. They, oh, occasionally they do. Yeah, this is on the record. Oh, for I should really change no. what I'm saying <laughs> specifically to our show for this. No, it's all good. So, uh, no. Jake Linforce, hi Pete. So, so my my uh, my point to this is, um, GW, if you're listening, it would be really nice to have a caveat of saying um, when you release a codex or a supplement or some uh, informational book, you say this replaces yes. White Dwarf. Number issue blah yeah. for index, crimson fist for Imperium X yeah the, this replaces yes. this 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 or it, it excludes like these things and just have a list of that Agreed. you can have a living document that you can reference back to as a to and then you can look and go hey as a player you can you can pick it up and go hey I have the the or the crimson fist white dwarf I've got the um the imperial fist uh, supplement yep. cool imperial fist supplement overrides this and this is now this is more historical. Perfect. It would definitely help to keep some of the rules below down, too. Exactly. To keep it organized. And I then they don't have to do an FAQ or some, yep. some goofy thing where they have to add additional writing. Yeah. Now, one thing that I wanted to make sure to suggest, especially touching off of that uh, idea, is Games Workshop is very open with re- reception for FAQs and other things along those lines. So if you ever happen to have a question or feel like an FAQ needs to be addressed, uh, Games Workshop on their Warhammer uh, community page actually does have a link. Yep. I can't remember exactly where it's at, but they do have a link to the Games Workshop FAQ team. Uh, but definitely go on to the website and follow the instructions on actually asking the proper channels for these questions because a lot of the times uh, you're not the only person that's thinking this. Oh, yeah. And a lot of people want to figure this out, especially for a question as specific as, 
uh, one CP is definitely super important for an extra extra hit. Yep. And definitely, you know, just drive home the idea that they are willing to accept the criticism and they're willing to accept the, uh, you know, you guys, everybody here, just wanting to make sure that they know and they help everybody as a player play the game. Yep. Because it's a game and they want to help. Absolutely. All right, and then uh, Neil's second question. Oh, we're not even on. Oh, boy. Uh, I am here for it. Let's do it. All right. Back to stratagems. Again, the box states under stratagems on page 56 of the Imperial Fist Codex Supplement. Uh, It states that all units from Imperial Fist Successor Chapter have the Imperial Fist keywords for the purposes of using Imperial Fist stratagems. This language does not appear limited to the Imperial Fist Codex Supplement book and encompasses seemingly any Imperial Fist stratagem. In contrast... For example, the rules in the Codex Supplement for Warlord traits are specifically narrowed to the tables provided in the Codex Supplement. Okay. Vigilus Defiant no. contains the rules for Specialist Detachments, including the Imperial Fist Siegebreaker Cohort. The Specialist Detachment is a Specialist Detachment Stratagem. That stratagem reads, use the stratagem when choosing an army, pick an Imperial Fist Detachment from your army to be a Siegebreaker Cohort. In conjunction with the Stratagems rule from Codex Supplement Imperial Fist, am I able to make a Crimson Fist detachment into a Siegebreaker cohort? Since every unit in the detachment is considered to have the Imperial Fist keyword for the purposes of using Imperial Fist stratagems. Yes, you are. Oh. Yep. <laughs> oh, there's or a do- caveat. Or does the bleed over only apply if underneath the stratagem name it contains Imperial Fist strat- stratagem? Of note, GW always seems to capitalize the word stratagem even when using the word in isolation. Uh, additionally, Codex Space Marines states that a Space Marines detachment is a detachment that only includes Space Marine units. Each Space Marine unit, rather than the detachment itself, is what contains the faction keyword. Thank you very much for your great podcast, and I appreciate any insight y'all can share. Now, fortunately, Games Workshop did release an FAQ, and which, it does address this particular item. Which Jacob then jumped on and then got thrown immediately under the bus by Kevin. I'm oh, sorry, absolutely. ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I 100% don't play Space Marines and haven't since 5th edition. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Can an Imperial Fist special successor chapter use the Imperial Fist Siegebreaker Cohort Specialist Detachment Stratagem? Answer, no. The stratagem is not Imperial Fist Stratagem. And, as if to demonstrate... I have a Vigilus Defiant right here. Like I said, oh I came prepared. You did. Wow. wow. Uh, Boy Scout style. <laughs> <laughs> so one it is a specialist detachment strategy. Oh, yeah. not an right. That uh, is yeah. a very That's specific caveat. Yes. yes. It can target Imperial Fist detachments, but it must have the Imperial Fist keyword, yep. not count as having it for the purpose of particular stratagems from a book. It's a well, very now, fine detail. But well, yeah. and, but it is but also, it is it's a yeah. narrative thing. Yes, yeah, so absolutely. These are supposed to be narrative right. rather than... So it's interesting to me where Vigilist Ablaze and Vigilist Defiant fit into the larger rule set now, because it seems very clear that GW put those two books out with the intent to take specialist attachments and build off them. And has clearly moved past that. Has not has no interest <laughs> in never, doing that anymore. Again, that's to, to your point of like different books being written by different developers yeah, entirely. It just it feels like that whole Vigilus Chaos Marine thing. That whole those three books were written oh, by only two, or well, including including the Chaos two codex. Fair enough. Were all written by a completely different team than who wrote the who's writing Psychic Awakening and Space Marines. There's a part of me that wonders if they were like, hey, what if we touched back on that idea that we had in seventh edition of like of like formations, and, and then they like, they put it out there, and then it's like, 
Why is it on fire? Oh God, get rid of it quickly! Quickly, shove it aside. Act like it never happened. Why does no one like this? I don't understand. I actually like the detachments the way they did them. Yeah, you have to pay CP for them. Oh yeah, and it doesn't give you an automatic anything. It just gives you a keyword, and then you have stuff that. I like how they've done it. It just it seems like they're not interested in continuing. Look, space mar- space brains don't need a bunch of free crap. Oh, great! <laughs> no one needs. Nobody needs no one crap. needs a bunch of free. crap. I'm sorry. All I'm hearing is the salt from a granite player that doesn't get the free crap too. Oh, I'm gonna get killed in the comments of people saying I just that I, I'm just a bad chaos player. So well, hi there. My name is Jake Linford. As I take all all the blame for any of this stuff. So I, I'm going to point on my, my own personal hubris in this situation and 100% agree that the way that it is worded, uh, this coming from a com- more competitive player, a competitive-minded player, I can appreciate how it's worded. However, I don't think it should be worded like that. Uh, if you're uh, considering to be an Imperial Fist player, I believe that it should uh, should be worried worded. Now, this is you know Games Workshop doing what Games Workshop does. Uh, it should theoretically be worded as uh, you count as an Imperial Fist uh, chapter for the uh, influence of Imperial Fist stratagems or stratagems that in- influence Imperial Fist armies well, or detachments. And it's very easy because with the keyword system. Just to give successor chapters the primary chapter keyword. It's a really fine well, tweak. You, yeah. you have to be careful with that because then there's also the thing that like Imperial Fists have access to relics that only they can have and successor chapters can't unless you spend CP on a stratagem to get access sure. to that list. Yeah. Now, one of the other caveats, especially that Rob was just touching on, was uh, the the influence of successor chapter traits in this book. Yeah. Now, you could be running a successor chapter that isn't necessarily Crimson Fist. Now, this is a little bit more stretching, but there is a entire list of other uh, successor chapter traits that you can get influenced by. Sure. Now, you know, grabbing the Bulger Drill, but also grabbing this other thing that helps me out a lot more than this, than this, than this. So I can understand both sides of the coin where, you know, helping out with a Crimson Fist uh, detachment uh, that is not saying that you can't have your Crimson Fist painted as Crimson Fist and call them Imperial Fists. Now, again, double check with your TO. Right. Make sure that the other yep. person is okay with this. You know, covering my butt for this one rather Absolutely. than any, any well, of these that's, guys. That's our, that standard be any, that's our standard disclaimer for this whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, we always say, like, yeah, whatever we say here, unless there's, like, like document, like, this, the FAQ specifically says this. Yeah. Go with DM, DM Trump, yeah, DM Trump's rulebook, TO Trump's rulebook, or GW, or whatever. Yeah. Nerd. So. One, like... Really? <laughs> like, and any judge... Not wrong. Like, any judge will tell you, judges' rulings are final and will be followed for the rest of the event, yep. even if they're wrong. Yes. Yep. Oh, yeah. Because it has to be consistent. Oh, yeah. It wrong, does. wrong rulings are might be the most fun. Now, <laughs> you can you can give uh, your personal feedback at the end of the tournament, or the judge might tell you that, my apologies, uh, I was incorrect on this ruling. However, for this tournament or this event, we are going to keep it with the same ruling just yeah. to make sure that it's fair for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Consistency is the most important. Yep. Thing. Consistency is super important, and everybody should know that, that it's super important for consistency, especially as a TO, just being able to not be confused yeah. by yep. all this thousand different things that are going on for a TO. Alright, our next letter is from Chris Turney. Chris writes, Hi, preferred enemies. I would just like to say that I'm really enjoying the new Datasheet Doctor series. That's our series where we fix units. Like, it's we awesome. We haven't done it in like four months now. 
I, I, want, I want more Chaos oh, Terminators. I know, we could be getting stuff. stuff. Yeah. I, I yell at you guys in my car. I'm sure you do. <laughs> he yells at himself, you but he's listen. pretending you're there. Why do you never you, listen? You have managed to take two. Uh, you have managed to take two standbys of the hobby: theory crafting and complaining about rules, and present them in a fun and positive way. I like Aww. that. Can we pair that with drinking? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're doing that right now. Oh, fair. <laughs> uh, I was listening to Datasheet Doctor's Chaos Space Marines, and I think you have underestimated the marks of chaos when you said they don't do anything. They are, in fact, worse than if they didn't exist. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There are five stratagems of the 17 non-Legion ones that are mark-exclusive. The most powerful which is Endless Cacophony, which lets mm-hmm. a unit shoot twice for two CP. Absolutely true. Slim- Emperor's Children players and uh, Fallless Host players and such love it. I was going to say those Slanet, those Slanesh Demon players probably absolutely adore it. I mean, I'm a masochist and I even love that stratagem. Yeah. <laughs> the others have niche uses, but they can't be used in niche situations because you've already marked Slanesh for endless cacophony. This could be good design if implemented as a less as a trade-off of less flexibility for more power, but as they stand, they're almost identical to what other codexes get at an extra cost. For example... Honor the chapter is identical to Fury of Corn and is always an option for Marines to use without restriction. The same for Tyranid's single-minded annihilation and endless cacophony. The problem is mirrored in a handful of artifacts and also in the Chaos Icon war gear. My solution to this is a controversial one. Oh. Do away with Marks of Chaos entirely. Well, hold on a second. I thought it was going to be just paint pink. <laughs> with the Codex Death Guard Thousand Sons and the probable development of Codex World Eaters and Emperor's Children, Heretic Astartes does not need to represent Monogod armies anymore. It should be perhaps replaced, or it should be replaced with rules to play other elements of the evil ancient Space Knights fantasy. Perhaps Chaos Space Marine units could have a chance to grow in power and resilience as they slay enemies and earn glory. Maybe players could choose some rules that describe the army's relationship to the warp, buff demonic unit and nerfing mundane ones, or vice versa. Maybe players should be able to make packs with nondescript dark patrons each turn, with it becoming a riskier proposition each time it is done as the warp's patient grows short. The lore for this army is presented in the fluff as far more interesting and diverse than just being light versions of cult troops. And rules sure. to see this presented yeah. on the tabletop would be cool to see as well. Would be cool to see. Sorry if this got a little wish listy, and thanks for the show. The show is Chris. Uh, so what I'm hearing is they should develop an army that has a tithe of some kind that you keep track of as you kill units, and then your army gets better as it goes along. And then you can even can happen. You reset the clock, <laughs> and the clock goes to zero. Yeah, wait, wait, a, wait! You know, I was waiting for it, and I'm like, no. Nope. I was waiting until he was done. That's a lot you of semantics. Like, oh, oh I know, yeah. I did, I did. I'm gonna wait he's till he's done. Biting his yeah. lip at just the thought <laughs> process. Those days, those days have passed, Kevin. I know. He, I he know, almost flipped was, the table and was just angry. Yeah. So I will say, I will say, I. I think Faith and Fury addresses some of this. Yes. Yeah. It d- absolutely it does. does. Um, I which I, I, spoiler, you're not probably going to see World Eaters no. or Emperor's Children get their own codex. They're not for a while. They it's a it's a fluffy. Similarly to yeah. other Chaos Marines to be sure. separated out. Agreed. Like I will say Death Guard and Thousand Sons do play very differently. Absolutely. I would also be fine if they removed those two specific units, Rubric Marines and Plague Marines oh, yeah. from that book, but I understand they keep them there for Renegades and for Black Legion. Yeah, I still think that that they should pull them out and put them in their own codex to be honest. It the loss the loss of those yeah. two units versus the gain of actually like simplifying yeah, focusing and simplifying way better. Well, and, and even if you're taking like Black, even if you're going to take like Black Legion for example and you want to include you now uh Plague Marines in your army, 
you're actually probably better off taking a Black Legion detachment and a Death Guard detachment. Yeah. Now, I I, I don't disagree with him with, with the idea that uh, some of the stratagems, because they've been uh, god-locked, basically, yeah. or mark-locked, or, that yeah. it does limit the design space. It, it absolutely does. I think an, an alternative fix to that, though, would be to have them cost less. Like, what yeah. if Endless Cacophony costs two, but only costs one for... Or Slanesh plague. That's not a bad yeah. idea. Because we have, or, or you could even, say, or you could even say if the detachment is a Slanesh detachment, rather. Yeah. Because right now the problem is you have like, oh, I'll take Iron Warriors. Oh, my Havocs are Slanesh Havocs. Yeah. Even though I'm playing yeah. Iron Warriors, which shouldn't care, but I'm taking it just to gain the system to get sure. the ex, the doubled up shooting. But yeah. if you said, if you're taking like, if this is a Slanesh detachment, this. See, this costs one CP instead of two, or three, two instead of three. I mean, here's how, here's how little marks matter in this current edition. My Alpha Legion army I'm taking for the friendly tomorrow. I forgot to mark any of it, so I can't do endless cacophonies like that because uh, marks don't matter. Like it was literally, I was going through the strategy, and I'm like, oh, I meant to put this in my havocs, and I like, well, I've already put it in my list. Oh well. No, uh, I'm going to offer a thought process for coming from somebody who started out my very first imperial, my very first Warhammer wa- army was uh, Chaos Space Marines. The Literally, the first box that I picked up after the Battle for McCraig box was a single box of Chaos Space Marines and the 4th edition Chaos Codex that still currently has a single chunk of Golden Crisp sitting on Aramon's, uh his, his data sheet because it got stuck there one time when my little 13-year-old brain was thinking, man, I gotta read Aramon's rules super quick. Uh... Have a chaos spray, have a chaos lord, make marks a little bit better, but make sure that the marks that match that chaos lord are affected as troops' choices. Yes. Now it's it's going a little bit more of an old school thought process, especially for the last edition or the edition before that. But say if I have a Slanishi Chaos Lord, I really want to run Noise Marines. Now, this also would influence that I would have to uh, somehow develop a noise marine to be better in some way, shape, or form, however that happens to look at. Again, you get a plus one to something or other. Yeah, like it literally just comes down to maybe you have uh, always strike first, as Slaneshis do. You know, yeah. I like to swing first kind of a thing. Sure. But, you know, go for an old school uh, idea where if I'm running a Chaos Lord and I want to... Uh, you know, use Black Legion tactics, but he's a Slanishi Lord, have Noise Marines as being a uh, more viable choice, yeah. or Zinch, or Nurgle, or any of them. And I mean, it's a super easy fix. You just toss it over like that, and it helps out a little bit for still getting Legion traits, yep. such as Black Legion. However, you're also getting the benefits of Slanish, or Zinch, or Nurgle, so, or Corn. I always liked... It wasn't perfectly, it wasn't balanced super well because some of these were just clearly better than others. But I always liked the plus one. If you've corn, you get a plus one attack. Slanesh, plus one initiative, which obviously. Is you don't have now. to worry about that. Um, so again, the always checks first falls into that. Yeah. Or, you know, Zinch, you get a better influence save. Or, the, and like, it sucked because you always ended up taking Neural because the toughness was always better. Oh, uh, yeah. But like, you could do a way to balance this where it's like, if you're corn, you get plus one attack. If it's Slanesh, you always strike first. Um, or Korn, maybe not even plus one attack. Maybe you get to reroll charges or something. Yeah. Um, Zinch, you get to deny an extra psychic power or something. Or, you know, and then with, like, Nurgle, like, you get uh, disgustingly resilient. Instead of tough, you just get that extra. Something like that where you could balance them and give bonuses to these. 
where it's not, oh, I'm always going to take this mark on this type of troop, this type on this type, where you actually have like some tangible benefit for them. Yeah, but. I would agree with the say with that. Uh, however, it, you know, this is a uh, considering the the thought process and the question that you've provided, yeah. it, it it's a little bit more of a involved fix yeah. than just saying, you know, here's one way that you can make uh, marks better. You know, I, I, I personally really appreciated the old school, like Kevin was saying, with a plus one strength, plus one toughness, plus one initiative, plus one attack, mm-hmm. you know, or plus one, you know, psychic power, whatever you want to do. Uh, it, it's a little bit more of an involved, you know, development to make marks still viable by, you know, throwing them in for characters my thought process, you know, make them troops choices isn't necessarily the best thing considering the variety of uh, detachments that you can run. Yeah. Make them a uh, choice that you can run as an elite choice or, you know, a, a plug and play yeah. kind of a thing where, you know, say if you're running a unit of noise marines, you can have them as either an elite choice or... Or a troop's choice to help you out with a brigade, help you out with the stratagems that uh, everything well, is starting to develop. That to an extent, on a couple, because like Emperor's Children get Noise Marine as troops. Yeah. Uh, World Eaters get Berserkers as troops. They do. But if you play a Renegade that is corn focused, you don't. Yeah, unless you're just elites. Yeah. Now, I want to drive that point home, however, that Space Marines have gotten to the point where you can plug and play them essentially as either a successor chapter or as a main chapter, and you give the options to be able to run them as anything you're looking for. Yep. Now, this might this might be a more involved codex with it next time Chaos happens to come out or a supplement or what have you, but give them the option to be able to say, say I have this corn unit, they get this bonus. But if they're Black Legion, they get a separate bonus to help them out with this. It gives them the variety that you can build any kind of a list that you're looking for, like you can with Space Marines nowadays, and just be able to drive home whatever you're looking for with Lord Discordance and make the benefits that you have uh, viable for any kind of a troop choice or variety. Yeah, and you talk about that because you have like chapter tactics and then the combat doctrines for Space Marines. Exactly. You could, marks can basically be one of those levels, and then your chapter or legion and then your mark can kind of be those two levels potentially make a mark into a combat doctrine say you know the unit of plague marines that has been fighting for this long period of time uh has to get a boost of adrenaline and you know temporarily fight for corn and be able to drive forwards and swing better in close combat there's options and it just it really comes down to uh how games workshop is looking to develop them in the next bit. Well, yeah, I mean, like, balance-wise, right now, we've got... Not only do you have your combat doctrines, but then you have your chapter version of the combat doctrine. Space Marines, meow. Yeah, and Chaos, I think, at this point, especially considering these books appear to have been designed more or less concurrently, and yet they couldn't be more different as far as power level. Yeah. Even if you didn't have, like, the full combat doctrines that you could switch to between modes, yeah, if you could have a mark... Basically, even even if you just had fewer, like, instead of having, like, all the founding chapters to compare from, like, instead of having, like, Thousand Sons are always, or rather than having, like, Emperor's Children are always this, and World Eaters are always this, maybe it is just, like, four options and then one for Undivided. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
and then and that you know it's like yeah, that's what you're marked as like you mark your army and that's yeah. what it does yep and if you don't and if you don't want to mark like maybe you have undivided which allows you to run mixed marks but it's not as powerful yeah yeah. Now, one thing that I could definitely see on that thought process is have a stratagem to be able to influence that. And say, it's already one that allows you to switch marks. It really, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, be able to drive that point home where if, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, gotta climb that ladder. Say, say you have an undivided chaos army and you really want to run a corn mark for a unit. Say you have a stratagem that says. Well, say I'm in the charge phase or I'm in the assault phase, spend one command point to temporarily change the mark that your unit is using. It it gives a flux. Much like the way Space Marines can make a unit act like it's under tactical or exactly. It's almost like they've already given you the groundwork to be able to just copy and paste Space Marines Codex over to Chaos with some cool, weird primary stuff. Yeah. So the blessing of the gods become the yeah. ding, uh, ding, the ding. Yeah. 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 Something like that would be really fun. I'm that sorry. I want Chaos Call to come out and be like, hey, I got this Primaris unit that's demon-infused because it's funny. That would be awesome to get like a new... You know, uh, if you wanted to even make it like... Maybe a spy model. Oh, yeah. That would be oh, my God. <laughs> you know, you could even do something where like the marks are like your generic like combat doctrines where they do a little bit of a buff. If you don't want to make it feel like just a carbon copy of Space Marine, I'm going to throw this out there. What if you had like an advanced version of your mark, but you had to roll each turn to see if it was active? That would be a blast. Yeah. Because I can like, see that. Make them a fun way to play. Because then yeah. it's like when it's active, like maybe it's on a three up or something. Like when it's active, so it's going to be most of the time, you like chaos really pumps, but then chaos is fickle. And, yep. and it, the power, like your power ebbs and flows each turn. Now, one caveat I would say to that is make sure that you are sharing the same god with your army. Yes, I know. to be yeah. able to to be able to appreciate that ebb and flow a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah like it. Rob's one hundred percent right. You just be able or, to develop. Or maybe it. it's like if your army matches the mark, like if your army has the same keyword as the mark, maybe it's on a two up. Yeah. If you're undivided yeah. and you have mixed mark or you have mixed marks, maybe it's on a four up. And it's again, less likely, but you get more variety. Yeah. And again, we already have kind of the groundwork for that because you only get combat doctrines if you're all one mono chapter. Yep, that's so true. You only get the advanced version if you're all one mark or all undivided. So you can still go through and pick and choose and take this unit, mark them this way, this unit, mark them this way, but you lose out on overall army benefits. Yep. But and I'll also, but still getting back to Chris's original yeah. letter, I'd still think, I think. He, Maybe even even something as minor as kind of retooling the stratagems so that they weren't yeah. quite so godlocked would be good. I, yes. I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. Exactly. All right. Last letter. And I want you to have your T.O. hats on for this mm, one. Geez. I have turned it sideways like Ash Ketchum, and I want to make sure that I, you know, got this. Uh... You catch it all? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right in the face? Nerd. <laughs> <laughs> so this one's from Talon Rooney, who had a chance to play at Iron Halo. Great guy. Hmm. Hi, Talon. Uh, he actually uh, beat Puck, too. <laughs> oh. Well, okay, Puck let's be honest. Eldar, his Eldar army and Yeah. Um, well. I, I'm really resisting right now. He's kind of my man. boss. Hi, Puck. I love you, but man. Ooh. Anyway, anyway. Right. so Talon writes. Go back All to right. guard. Okay. <laughs> Here's a conundrum. I was playing in my local supremacy league against a pretty good opponent. He hadn't played much of 8th, but he had a solid understanding of the state of the game. But he lacks the minutia of the charge, like, lacks minutia knowledge of the charge and pile-in and consolidation rules. Mm -hmm. As a lot of people do. As I do. (laughs) He was getting irritated because I was using rules as written to protect my characters and springboard off his units for charges and whatnot. 
And like this is something we even talked about like mm-hmm. during the the night jobs when you were like team oh, yeah. Aaron plays like yeah, yeah. I, if I attack you I can yes. then, like, I can I can shift around, around yep. And, yeah yep his list had longer and more efficient shooting than my list so I had to do what I could to even give him a game as opposed to a, as opposed to a turkey shoot yep as the game progressed I wasn't cheating I just had a better understanding of the rules than he did he eventually quit at the top of five and pretty much rage quit the match. Mm. I was clear and concise in my movements and actions, and which I kept, which kept me transparent. If I took my foot off the throttle, I would have taken a devastating loss. I feel bad that my opponent was not enjoying his game, but that was because of his ignorance, not my fault. What what would you have done differently in this situation than I did? So um, I can kind of speak to this. I, I have a, a good friend of mine, uh, Asa Carlson. He's he is a pro at doing the manipulation of moving charging, manipulating in close combat because he plays some mesh demons. So there is no shooting in his army and he has to be a pro at how to charge and move and consolidate and play with that. Uh, the rules are very different in how they played previously to how they play now yes. in charging and in melee and they're not always consistent with what they were prior to. With that in mind, you as a player, and I stress this enough, you as a player are there to give your opponent the best game possible you can. If you were able to explain the rules, understand, you know, try and help them understand what you were doing and why and where your intentions were at, I would say you did the best you could. But if you if you came back with some feel badsies and you were like, well, they're they're a shooting army and I'm a melee army and I gotta make it happen, and I'm gonna do all the cheese that I can to make sure that that it takes place. That that can create a lot of feel badsies there. Even if even if you're well intended, because I know, and this is this is from Asa and I being good friends here, I know that I've had some feel badsies against him because he's pulled some stuff on me where I'm like, no, that can't be. Show me the rule. I need to see this. This is insane. That's nuts. That can't happen. And then he shows. And then he shows me, and I'm like, that's in. That's stupid. That's exactly. It. And I'm and I shift my frustration from him to GW, and then I want to wail on GW. You know, the dead horse <laughs> that is GW. Um, I take that back. I love you, GW. Uh, so. Take me back, please. Uh, the, the, idea, me. <laughs> the, the idea is more, uh, if you have a better understanding of the rules, make sure that your opponent gets that knowledge transferred over to them. Um, because if you, if you have that knowledge base, you need to share it, not, not hold on to it. And I'm not claiming that the talent's necessarily holding on to it as, as, no, and as it sounds like he was explaining, he was, oh, yeah, besides what he's doing, yeah, very transparent, letting the opponent know what he's doing. Yeah. And sometimes stopping the game and going, okay. We need to talk this out. We need to have an understanding of what's going on because I'm assuming it's not in in, in a tournament it game. Like it sounds like it was a, a, a league. league. Yeah. A league. Okay. Yeah. I would I would definitely have a moment where I'd pause and go, Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's hold on. Yeah. Let's make Before, sure yeah. Here. Let's yeah. let's have an understanding. I want you. How do you see this playing out? What are you seeing in this that you're getting frustrated with? Because coming from that angle yeah. might help you go. You know, instead of going, well, these are the rules. Look at the rules. They're right here. Read them, understand them, but he might not get that. Yeah, coming from the angle of where are you getting frustrated? Why do you see it that way? And I know that that, that gets kind of touchy feely with that, but it sometimes really sometimes it's the right. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes that's yeah, the right yeah. Because if you turn around and go, okay, now I can't get butthurt about this, um, then then it's a little bit easier to approach the situation rather than. You know, now that I play Asa and I know his shenaniganry, when he's wrapping around my Helverans and, and going, well, you can't shoot this entire like twenty man or twenty nine man seeker unit because reasons, and I'm like, 
you're right, and I hate it. Um, I'm not frustrated at him. <laughs> no, and I think that is ultimately the, the big thing, is you want to try to make sure that your opponent understands the rules and leaves the game hopefully with a better understanding of the rules. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, One thing that I wanted to make sure to touch on, Talon, is uh, just the overall psychological aspect of every single person comes into a game with a different expectation of being mm-hmm. able to play the game. Uh, you know, you can do everything in your absolute power to be able to give this person a 100% accurate game, uh, everything that they're possibly looking for, and they still might not have the same output or outcome as you do. Uh, for me personally, I play, uh, I try to make sure that I play in both a competitive and a friendly level. Hence the reason why I run the friendly events and I also play in competitive levels. I also, I, I happen to play in a campaign as well. And, you know, I'm playing Gene Steeler Cults in this campaign, whereas I'm a little bit more limited in the the actions that I've taken to uh, make sure that I'm on the same level as a lot of people and still giving them a pleasant game and the, the amount of time that they're looking to play. You know, having an opponent rage quit uh, you know, round five or quit in any way, shape, or form isn't necessarily a bad thing for them or for you. Uh, this situation can definitely be uh, it played in by how you both handle the next few uh, games or the next few days. If the influence is he is, you know, having a really hard time with this, he's having an issue, uh, offer him some support. Be like, hey, man, you know, I'm... Uh, I, I realize that I played a you know a, a little bit more of a difficult game for you. Uh, how can I help? What are you? What were you interested in? Can I offer you some advice? Give these options that this you know your friend can get better. The one thing that I think a lot of people have been uh, really receptive to for me personally, especially up here, is uh, you know I'm competitive, but I'm also trying to be friendly. My entire idea is if I can give them a fun, friendly game, I don't care how I do. And that is a really difficult mindset to get into for anybody that plays Mm -hmm. at a competitive level because I started out as a friendly player. My influence was uh, all these guys that I played with on a Saturday night. And it was it was it wasn't until recently that I stepped into the competitive realm. And I still try to make sure that the people that I played with before. Uh, all these people that were, you know, more friendly focused, I want to help them get to be a better player. If they are, you know, having a hard time, they rage quit. They don't want to deal with anything. I say, hey, man, you know what? Okay, let's take a step back from this game. Let's go get a beer. Let's go get some food. Let me, you know, let me help you out with this situation rather than making it to be a, a, a buzzkill. A game killer. Yep. You know, for for lack of a better term, a situation like this, and depending on how both of you interact with it, can either make or break their feelings for the game. Yeah. And being able to say, you know what, hey buddy, let's you know step back. Let's uh, you know, let's go talk about this real quick. Let's go outside and have a cigarette if you choose to do so. Thing, such a thing. And you know, just be able to be that shoulder that they can lean on and say, you know what, let's. How can I help you? How can I make sure that you are uh, – that my actions don't uh, negatively influence your thought process on the game? And just be able to make sure that you both are getting exactly what you want out of it because it's different. Yeah. You know, exactly what you're looking to get out is different. Yep. 
And the any any way, shape, or form that you can bridge that gap, if you're a better player than he is, if you are more focused on the competitive side, just make sure that you're willing to offer him some support. Yeah. And it really just comes down to the fact that you're there playing with plastic miniatures, mm-hmm. uh, that you've spent this all this time painting and playing with friends and getting good at this game. And, you know, just... Just be the next generation that helps out that helps bridge the gap between you and somebody else. Yeah. Now, yeah, because like now in the past, I've talked about, uh, I brought up the phase of like being able to turn off the competitive yeah. mindset. Exactly. And, and I, what I don't mean by that, I do not mean dumbing down your play. No. I do not mean yeah. making intentionally bad decisions because it'll draw out the game where it'd be now if you're playing with a friend and you are just wanting to play goofy and just yeah that's totally that's different that's different that's totally a thing you can do right but yeah it's a matter of setting up Mm -hmm. expectations but what i'm talking about is turning off the competitive mindset might be an army construction maybe i'm not maybe if i know i'm playing someone more casually i'm not going to bring as hard hitting a list maybe i'll you know i won't tie i won't fine tune it but i'm still going to try to but i should still play to the best of my ability Turning the competitive mindset off a bit, even or even just putting it on pause, because I think this is a situation where they're playing competitively, but being able to put it on pause, maybe allowing somebody like ex, you know give somebody the moment to explain. Okay, like like I said, this is what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. This is why I'm doing it. Um, would you? Before you take an action, like, do you want to do something? Like, give somebody the option to like maybe not make a snap judgment and say like, hey, do you want to? Pull that back, and so so it's 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 funny you mention that because it, going back to Asa, Asa and I played a game uh, like last Thursday or whatever, um, where we, you know, he really wanted to play his army, and I'm like, fantastic! I I am terrible at, against these slanish demons, and he's a really good player. So I I uh, played against him, and and really found that it was funny. We, we sat down and we were playing and he came to a moment where he's like, what should I attack? Because I was playing knights and he goes, which knight should I attack? And he was asking me as, as a player as well as my, the expert in my army. And I'm like, well, you have two options. You can either attack this knight or this knight here. You can either, this one is going to hurt you in melee. This one's going to shoot you like crazy. But it's going to take you two turns to get to this one versus this one. It, Giving him options, but explaining the situation, why I was doing certain things. And we were completely transparent because I was going, what's your thought process with this unit here? And he's like, well, I'm thinking either I can go towards this knight or over here and grab this objective, maybe do both, but that's not going to be my chances. And I'm like, no, no, that's not going to be a good idea because you're going to be splitting your options. I don't know if that's a good idea. And being honest and taking the the winning out of the situation can really raise you and your opponent up, especially when it's not a super competitive game. Yep. Being able to go, hey, here's a learning moment, here's a teaching moment, and I did the I did the the reciprocal to him. I was like, hey, how do I handle this unit over here? What are you thinking with this? Well, I want to charge this thing. Well, I you know do should I really you know, worry about that keeper of secrets versus Shalaxi, which one would you do? And he's like, yeah, well, Shalaxi's got this versus this keeper's got this. Yeah. The point with it is we were open and transparent about this game and it made both of us feel better in the situation rather than, well, I beat you 
you know, I beat you and I get to hold that over your head. No, that's not what this is about. It was about I needed to learn how his army worked. He needed to learn how my army worked. And we worked it out where they were very different. But we both came away with understanding of both. Mm-hmm. And that made it a lot more fun for me personally being able to go, oh, I learned something new and I'm not able to always do that in a competitive match. I'm not, you know, if I get blown off the table or something blows up and it's some combination that I never understood or never even appreciated before, sometimes um, getting that knowledge of, of a slower game mm-hmm. teaches a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think Talon necessarily did anything wrong. Are there additional things that Talon oh, yeah. that he could maybe have done? And, you know, and, and, well, and that's why he's writing it, isn't yeah, it? Right. And, you know? and some of it is, you know, also like reading your opponent. Is your opponent in the frame of mind where yes. he's going to be receptive? Oh, yeah. Because it could be like what, what you're trying to do is being helpful. Depending on your opponent's mood, they could pick up as patronizing. Yes. So it's, exactly. so, so it's tricky. And there may not be a good solution so, yeah, to it in the heat of that moment. Yes. There isn't. Uh, however, one thing that I personally have. Uh, Figured out and have helped. Italian, you're in a very unique position that you're able to play in a league game. Whereas most of us here uh, happen to play in more of a competitive standpoint where we can't influence the opponent. It's it's hard to stop, but it's also hard to begin. Yes. Now, one of the big things that I personally have found, especially with these league games that I've been able to play in, and honestly, I, I appreciate them more because I'm able to play in the league game uh, I'm, I'm able to influence and help my opponent before the game starts. Now, one of the things that I think uh, should be done, or the preference is, especially is, you know, talk before your game. Yes. Be able to get your opponent's mindset and the thought process that they're going into this game with. And it, it, in all honesty, if you're so looking to, you know, if, if the skill level is a little bit different, help your opponent out. Give them an opportunity to be like, hey, man, you know, just wanted to let you know this unit right here that you have, uh, here's a couple of things that I've seen that have helped, you know, my opponents go against me. Uh, you know, don't be so closed off to winning yeah. that you uh, lose sight of the idea that you, you're playing a game. Yeah. So I've even had – I've been lucky enough I've had opportunities mostly because of the armies I, t- I play that my games at, at tournaments have been – quick enough and fast moving enough that I do have opportunities to talk and do some of the stuff even at tournaments um, that 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 one uh, tournament where we talked about before Renegade Open where I was in the, that pod two and got hammered I ended up playing Alan Shear, uh, Alan uh, Aaron Shear Aaron Shear sorry yeah, Aaron Shear Aaron um, <laughs> I was trying to move Aaron Allen um, which I apologize I, was, I played him twice in that tournament because I played him before the pod and I played him in the pod mm-hmm. and his warp spiders just Rep shit because that was when warp spiders were super good. That's what they, they do. Had, and they had the this rule and this rule. And they could disappear. And like and they had like twenty rules that like unless you play them, it's hard to know all of them. Yep. And that was what we did. Like after the first time when he played, and they just wrecked shop. I was like, explain to me what they do and how people beat them because I I can't figure this out on my own. Like I can't. I don't know how to deal with this. He's like, well, here's what people do. They, sometimes you do this, sometimes you do this. If you let them do this, they're going to run a rough shot. So it was like, you just have to kind of this. So when we played again, they still, because I didn't have the tools necessarily to defeat, to defeat them, but I was able to mitigate that, the damage they did a lot just because of like, 
talking to him after the game of like, no, you probably should have done this. Or with what you have, try this or, or don't f- focus on here. And it's that was really helpful as a player to be able to play him again later and, and mitigate it. But also just in general, it's like now I know, now I have thoughts and ideas in my head that I didn't have about how I would take out those ideas and stuff like that. And I and I get that hard it's sometimes it's hard to do that in the moment because if somebody gets, you know, feel bads, that's not the right time to talk about it. But yeah. if it's somebody that's in a league with you, try to talk to them another time. Like, hey, you know, I know we played a couple weeks ago. You know, what what do you have questions of me? Do you want to, you know, like what you know, what do we need to do so that next time we play we have a better game? Yep. Yeah. It's super easy too, just being able to say, you know, let let's go into this game kind of as a learning experience. Yeah. And that, you know, again, a difficult mindset to get yourself into to, you know, learning from defeat. You might be able, you might have to get stuck on that that idea that you lost. Mm-hmm. You lost the game. You got to, you know, figure out the ways. And if your opponent's able to help you out with that, be able to talk through what you could have done a little bit better, the list that you could have brought a little bit better kind of a thing Mm -hmm. before or after the game, it's going to help out your opponent immensely in the long run and be able to just say, you know what, I... Uh, if it's a day after, it's a week after, it's a month after, you know, just be able to be open with your opponent and be like, hey, man, you know, can I I offer you some pointers? Yeah. And I, I have to wonder how much of it is on this game was his opponent going in, seeing the army list, and being like, I can outshoot this any day of the week, going in with the expectation of, oh, this should be easy. This yep. should be like, and he may be used to playing players who don't have as tight a control yep. or a tight a sense of movement and yep. the things that can be done. Charging and, such, yeah. and then when Talon's army, like Talon starts moving his armies in ways that this guy isn't expecting, that all of a sudden that's when the frustration kicks in and suddenly, yeah, just that push like no i got to figure this out he's got to be cheating because i've never seen anybody do this and yeah it's like so how their expectations going into it and like they've got to the they have to be able to go into it or come out of it so you know that's definitely something that they would need to work on is afterwards figure out like take be able to take that moment to breathe Yep. Center themselves, sit under an acorn tree if they need to. Long <laughs> <laughs> story, but yeah. that's so good. And then, uh, and uh, you know, center themselves and just like then go, okay, can I talk to you about that game yeah. because yeah. I felt like I should have won that and I didn't quite get what was going on. So, so something else that I, I really think is important um, as a as a uh, community, um, losing is not a weakness. Losing a game is not a weakness, uh, and and that is speaking to me more than anything. Too, this is this is me being real. By the way, I need a moment. All right, people, do we got a couch around? Uh, no, we can make one. Okay, we well, have cool. comfy chairs. All right, all right, we'll we got them over there. All right, I'm I'm ready for this. Um, so grab grab your clipboards. the The idea is that losing is not a weakness, and because some of the best people that are the most desired to play against. In 40K, in the community, are the people that give the best games. They're not the best gamers. They're the best people to play the game. They might not win. They often lose. And the reason that people go to them to play games is not because they lose and they can get an easy win. It's because they are fantastic to play against. They make a fun game. They make a fun opponent. They have fun with the, the environment, the game, the losing, the winning, the ups and the downs. Those are the opponents you want to be, yep. not those that win all the time. And I know that this is going off of Talon's, Talon's initial question, but I think it is a word of wisdom that that we as a community need to hear. Yeah. 
um, more so than winning. Winning is a big aspect of our our game, yeah. and it's our goal in the end. At the end of the day, but often the people that are sought after the most are those that are um, often the losers, and they're the ones that are t- chased after. Yeah. By the way, Talon, if you ever happen to see me, I'm the goofy guy wearing the Renegade shirt and the Fez at a tournament. Uh, let me buy you a beer and let's have a chat. Heck yeah. <laughs> let's do it. You know, it, it literally comes down to, you know, the, you have touched on such a deeply ingrained uh, philosophy in literally life. I mean, I mean, this is oh, this, yeah. this question branches to beyond just our, our game. Yeah. The, the game that we choose to play is such a minute scale of a of the complexity of this question that this comes into the idea that it's it's literally branching out into again you know one person is getting a different thing out of this game than another person another person as rob was touching on you know this guy could have come into this situation and say you know everybody else that i played against before i've creamed them yeah you know, I have walked roughshod over whatever they're looking to do, and suddenly here comes an opponent with a significantly tougher list. But the idea, the mentality that I've come into is I'm, you know, the hot stuff. Yeah. And suddenly this other player has beat me, and then, like, I can't deal with it. It it comes down to the idea that, you know, it's just it's the humility that comes with being able to appreciate that you're not always going to win. Yeah. However, if you lose, make sure you win by playing better next time Absolutely. and being able to appreciate the fact that you've lost while being able to lose, learning from the situation to become a better player for next time. And it just it comes down to the idea. I've seen so many people uh, play in a competitive or you know better than anybody else mentality and lose and suddenly become – uh, or the game starts to go bad for them. Yeah. Suddenly they're just, you know, distraught at this game and they lose almost because they've become this mentality that they're going to lose. I've been Where, there. Absolutely you, you've been there. You know, it, 100%. It's so common though yeah. that, you know, they, they don't give the opportunity. Losing a, a pawn in a greater situation or a greater chess yeah. game, losing a pawn could seem like the end of the world to a person. However, that pawn could be defending the queen yeah. or defending a knight or defending a rook. And exactly. it just it just depends on your mentality of being able to turn a bad situation into a good one. And I'm, I'm 100%, you know, it, it's come to the point where I used to have that mentality. Yeah. where I'm going to lose a game and I, I become this distraught character, you know, car- caricature of my life that it just, you know, it, it it's anxiety, it's stress, it's, you know, everything that's developing in this snowball effect that, mm-hmm. you know, I lost I lost one unit. That unit is going to turn into another unit, another unit, another unit, and it's giving up, yeah. you know. Sorry for the sounding like the no, no, terrible no, uh, psychology like, PSA. One, one thing I've, I've learned over the years because I've, I've any any time now that I like if a game starts going against me, my goal in the game because I've played against opponents who are like, oh, you're going to beat me, you're going to beat me. Like I'm, I'm just I'm lost. I don't even why I bother. And that nobody wants to play. No, against no. They don't. So what I what I try to do in every game, even if I like the situation has immediately turned bad and I don't really see a path to I, I don't see a path to victory, I'm gonna play as if I have one. 
Yeah, I'm yes. going to go down swinging because I've had because there are enough times because we're playing a dice game. Yeah, things occasionally turn. Yep, it does. And you know what? Your opponent will appreciate that more. Right, they because will because. You know, if you cheer for them and they cheer for you, sometimes it's all about, I got to take that point. I'm going to do this stupid ass thing that's probably going to cost me this unit, but I'm going to try. And they're cheering you on. You'll note that they'll be cheering you on. Like, do it. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. Tackle that. Go, you go, did it. Go, yeah. You know. Go for go for a little more. Of, like, if, if the yeah. game has gone against you, then, like, maybe it's, maybe it's like, I don't care if I lose, but... Pick that, like, I'm going to kill that thing right there. Yeah, that thing's going to die. That thing's going to die. And if nothing else, maybe if I can pull that off or at least play my damn just to make that thing, like, I've, you know, if I need to switch my priorities from win game to have a blast, like, yeah, have yeah. a blast. And Welcome to the moral victory. Yeah, right. yeah because the, oftentimes your opponent and you will be like, yeah, I don't care about the points anymore. Just mark yourself as getting maximum. Yeah, yeah. I don't care. I'm going to kill that demon prince, and it's going to die. <laughs> the amount of times that I've, I've been playing games with my with my corn army, and I'm like, I should pull the berserkers back and take that objective. But that's not what berserkers Or I can slam them forward and get onto that <laughs> unit of orc boys and get slaughtered. And you know what? We're going to get to roll buckets of dice if <laughs> yeah. I do that. So the I'm buckets of dice! Because and and there was a game at LVO, uh, the LVO Friendly last year, where I had I had two 20-man blocks of berserkers. He had three 30-man blocks of boys. And we just had full units crashing into Oh, man. And it was so much great. fun. And I, I lost that game. But like, but it was so I'd much say fun. math was like, not your friend. No. no, no <laughs> here's, the thing. here's the thing. It actually was, because whoever got the charge... Blew through the other units. Oh, because berserkers with all of their attacks going twice will wipe them. Will wipe a thirty man warp boy unit off the board before they sway. But that that kind of no, energy. That's, that, that's exactly it. Yeah. So that heaven flow yeah. was like I wiped through this berserker. It was kind of like the um, you see in like the the RTS games where you see like this this force come in and run over this one, and then another force comes in the side and runs yep. over. And it was just that. It was like that for like three or four turns where. This berserker unit wipes this unit. Then this warp boy unit charges them and wipes them. Oh yeah, the other unit comes in, and it was just. And we went. We only got there like three turns because we were each rolling like a hundred and fifty attacks and just buckets I, of dice. I so will. I will point out that the winner in all that was corn. Oh yeah, absolutely. Corn <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> was victorious. Talon, one thing that I wanted to mention to you as well, and this is more so over to the general uh, audience. Uh, this question kind of uh, mirrors my personal experiences in 40K. Now, uh, a little bit more specifically in me helping to or playing in the Renegade Open uh, overall. So my very first year as a 16-year-old young buck coming up to play uh, in Elk River at one of the ballrooms oh, up in uh, Minnesota it it really came down to you know i i lost every single game i was using the 5th edition space wolves codex and being able to uh provide everybody else with a friendly and you know fun game and my army was nowhere near painted there was some stuff that was weird like uh conversions and everything uh i'm not going to lie my, by the very last day of the renegade open i had lost every single game and i felt really bad about myself and I was like, man, you know, I uh, again, you know, first opportunity yeah. going into the game, my thought process was like, you know what? If I can win a couple of games, I'll be really happy about yeah. this. I've always been like a narrative player at heart. I've always been friendly. I've maybe played a couple of tournaments in my life. 
and I lost every game. I felt I felt bad, dude. I lost to the Ringer. Ooh. The Ringer, by the way, was uh, Andrew Ferris, who actually I happen to play D anD D with nowadays. Nice. He's a super good time, and you know, great event. Put it on the first time. It was literally the first Renegade Open ever. And you want to guess what I won for dead last place? Uh, they call it the DFL or the Wooden Spoon Award <laughs> or what have you. Uh, I won four hundred dollars worth of Tau models. Nice. Mm. Now that, that those Tau Good models. Position. Yeah, in 5th edition. Those town models happen to be somewhere out on the East Coast nowadays doing whatever whatever they decide to do. But that Doesn't idea... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I hear jump, shoot, jump is super important. I'm going to move in the assault phase because uh. Tau. But it, it literally just comes down to... And that changed my entire thought process on the game because I was going into it with a thought process of... I'm going to win a couple games that didn't happen. And suddenly, you know, my entire belief of the game was changed because, man, I can't, I couldn't win anything. I felt really bad about myself. And then suddenly it's like, well, here's the the Golden Spoon Award suddenly that was worth more than the first place prize. Yeah. I I will actually point. It changes the thought process being able to get that award or the reward. Yeah. After the game has has ended, where it helps me out or it helps somebody else out, I, I'd like to actually say that this might actually be a good podcast topic for an episode. Yeah, uh, just, yeah. Just to get into the meat and potatoes, pull a lot of players into it, and really talk about the the good and bad times of 40k, oh, and and discuss like how to be a good how to be a good player. Yeah. You know, how to be a good opponent. And, and not in the sense of knowing the mechanics of yeah, not yeah. how to win the game. Is yeah. How to be a good Yeah, player. a good opponent because I, I feel like we could t- – this could be – We a, could talk we for could hours. Talk, oh, yeah, for hours. I mean, we've literally we have, talked we have for like two hours at yeah, this point. We've, we, we have talked for hours So, so in the interest so, – so we're going to wrap up the- <laughs> <laughs> this episode. Yeah, we'll, we'll, sh- we'll shelve this. We'll take yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Let's put a pin yeah. in it. And, yeah, this is a discussion we need to have. Yeah, no, and, and thank – again, thank you, Talon, for bringing up such a – that's I a mean, question. A thank you. Like, yeah. A very specific situation that has spawned a whole bunch of conversations. Oh, yeah. We've all been in this situation. Oh, yeah. Right yeah. yeah. Why, or, you know, been, been the player on one of the sides. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So thank, thank you, everybody, thank you. for your questions today. Like, honestly, coming into this, I was, you know, I, I love talking to these guys. And unfortunately, I tend to be a lot longer winded than I think any of them <laughs> expect. <laughs> Uh, but all these questions have just been fantastic. These guys for being yep. able to come on. Yeah. Well, and we appreciate appreciate all the people that write in because if it wasn't for that, free content. Yeah. yeah. Free content. Yeah, free content. You guys are awesome. Being and, able to. And, and, if, and if you want to provide free, co- I mean, write in. Uh, Here comes Paul Blurt on the segue. Yeah. Just Woo! like. Woo! If you, want to, if you want to have your letter read on the air, uh, we'll get – like occasionally we do list reviews. Although, yep. again, the meta changes so fast now that it, it it's really hard to provide oh, man. useful information. Yeah. But if you've got a letter you want to read, question for us, rules, interpretation, or uh, suggestion, or something like this. Or like Philosophical debate. Philosophical debate. <laughs> uh, there's three good ways to write to us. So first off, you can email us. Our email addresses are our first name at preferredenemies.com. So Rob at Kevin at Dennis at Richard at preferredenemies.com. Uh, second is Facebook. We are facebook.com slash preferred enemies. You can like us there, follow us. We post things that are going on, like at events we're attending, things we're working on, news, new releases, whether or not Sister is going to come out at a reasonable price anytime soon. Whoa. I know, Whoa. It. Clocks at zero. Uh, uh, third is on Twitter. Yep. Uh, you can go to twitter.com slash preferred enemy, singular, and uh, we post 
we mirror a lot of the updates we do on Facebook. Open up listener questions there as well. When I remember to post. When, when Kevin, Kevin is our, our Twitter guru and when he remembers to post, that's when that happens. Uh, and so we take all of those together, throw them in the hopper, and get, answer as many of you as we can on the next episode. Uh, also, we do have a Patreon. And if you want to be a uh, supporter of the show, like Mr. Hunt here... Uh, you're putting me on the spot. No, you don't have to say anything. You're just acknowledging. I'm buying you a sandwich, okay? Yeah. <laughs> cup of coffee. <laughs> you cup of pay, coffee. You paid for like our patrons, uh, our Patreon patrons paid for like a third of our hotel room. Yeah. yeah no. It, well, and the microphone. And the microphone they're using here. on here. Yeah. It, honestly, if I'm going to support one thing, I'm going to support you guys for getting around and, and hopefully this is why I can, I can be like, hey, can I come on the podcast? Is that cool? <laughs> I just show up. I don't I mean, know. Just show up. <laughs> Both things are viable. Both things are viable. If you show up to a place, this is goes out to all the listeners. If you just show up at a place where we're at and we're recording, you can probably join us. Yeah. <laughs> I thought this was exclusive. And, and, and oh. it's for you. Okay. <laughs> we do love meeting our list. It is, oh, it is so cool absolutely. to meet, meet all of you at the up numerous times today. Just from people oh, yeah. who were like, hey, uh, you know, love your show and this, yeah. or. Or want to get a game in with us? Like it, it's it's yeah. been awesome, yep. and you you guys help make it happen. And so one thing you can do to help support so we can keep going to these events mm-hmm. uh, is support us on Patreon. It's Patreon.com/slash Preferred Enemies. Uh, there's no paywall behind our content. We put all our shows are freely available. This is just kind of an online tip jar. If you want to help support the show, even if it's just like a dollar a month, every enough people throw in a dollar, yep. and it really helps us keep doing this. Yep. One thing that I just remembered about that we didn't cover in news and new releases. What's that? Midwest Conquest. Ah, uh, yes. This, this is a special. Well, this we are is really a, bad at promoting ourselves. No, no. <laughs> this is a special news and new release because uh, we uh, have opened up registration for uh, the Midwest Conquest 2020. 2020. Back on Memorial Day weekend in Kansas City at the Sheridan Crown Center. It is super weird seeing 2020 dates. On it is. It's really, really, really weird. Yeah. This is supposed to be the future. Where's my flying car? Yeah. <laughs> but no, we have the uh, we have been up for Kill Team, Night Joust, the Friendly, and the 40k GT. The GT is half up to, is be capped at 80, um, unless we get a lot of extra interest in it. Uh, 24 for the Friendly, uh, and I think it's I, I don't remember. I think I Kill Team. I, I started yeah. off at 16, but if there's enough demand for it, we'll open but, it up a bit more. And yeah. then uh, Night Joust is as many people want to show up. Night Joust has been moved. Back to Saturday. Crap. Just because, <laughs> uh, because Friday, we just don't get as many people because yeah. a lot of people mm-hmm. are just rolling in Friday night. Yeah. That's fair. Also, we had a few people who wanted to play in Kill Team and the Night Joust. And we yeah, were doing so we both at the same, same time. Yeah. So Kill Team is going to be Friday night. Night Joust is going to be Saturday until 2 in the morning. Well, no. Even if we have 20 players, Hold on we're hoping to be able to reduce this down to a reasonable I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> reasonable is in quotations. But yeah, reasonable times. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, and then uh, the kill team, like the GT and the kill team event will be for like, kill team will be ITC. Like, yes. We'll get you yes. ITC. Well, so the, these are going to be sanctioned, yep. sanctioned official events. So all the information's up on MidwestConquest.com. You can register for, for the events through there. All the registration will be done in BCP. So you no longer have to do go get your pecan badge and then your ticket badge. Everything will be done through. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, wow. Like, because past years you had to go to UndercomGaming.com yeah. to register for like buy your ticket and then go to our site yeah. and then fill out your registration there. Nope. All one smooth process. You just go in. 
Uh, tickets start at $50, yep. and then on March 31st, they will go up, they'll, to, 60. Go up to 60 Awesome. Nice. So early bird pricing lasts until April Fool's Day. Yes. Woo-hoo. So we definitely and, want to see as many people as possible there. We appreciate everyone that gets to come. So. Yeah, and we've got uh, we've got rules. We'll keep those updated as there's any major changes, but uh, right now we have all the rules up on the website, and you'll also see them on the BCP like event yeah. description. So we've got everything there. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that should cover everything. We're yeah. excited to do it again. It's, it's always fun. So yeah, we're excited to finally get it out there and get we've got get some signups going. We've got again. some neat ideas for prizes. We're hoping to kick up our terrain game this year too. And Sweet. We unfortunately we are not able to have streaming due yeah. to uh, wireless and pricing yeah. concerns uh, with the hotel. But uh, so we won't have any streaming tables, unfortunately. But we're hoping to make up for that by just having the best event that we can. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm hearing come for the barbecue and stay for the dice roll. That's what I'm yes. saying. Uh, yeah. I mean, and, you should use that as the website slogan. <laughs> well, hey, every, every winner, every winner yes. gets a bottle, a different barbecue bottle sauce every year. It's true. Yeah. It's always good. It's always it is good. always good. <laughs> so, yeah. So we're, we're, we're excited for that. Yeah. So go go sign up if you're interested. Yep, MidwestConquest.com and again or find the event in BCP. All the links on Midwest Conquest. Uh, there are multiple ways to get from B- Midwest Conquest page to the various BCP registration pages. Okay. So should not have any problem finding finding the event you're looking for. Sweet. We want to take a quick break. Yep. And then uh, we'll get back and talk. Maybe we'll talk. Maybe Renegade Open. Maybe Fire or Faith Fire. Fire. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see what happens. All right. See you in a bit. Are you tired of playing on a boring battlefield? Do you want to step up the quality of your gaming table and make your battle look real? Then you need to check out the Battle Mats from Game Mat. They're professionally designed rubber-based mats are just what your gaming table needs. Available in a variety of styles, with everything from rolling grasslands to urban war zones, winter wastelands to alien deserts, there's a Game Mat mat to fit any kind of terrain. Their mats are padded, anti-slip, waterproof, and when you're done rolling dice and battling on your mat, just roll it up and stick it in the convenient carrying bag for easy transport and storage. And if you don't have a gaming table, they've got you covered with their folding Gboard portable gaming area and their line of pre-painted resin terrain. If you're ready to upgrade your gaming table, head over to www.gamemat.eu and find the gaming mat that's right for you. Game Mat. Giving your armies the battlefield they deserve. And we're back. And uh, we are, uh, well, if you can tell by the microphone sound, we're not in Minnesota anymore. We basically spent too long on Sunday helping tear down the con and then eating dinner afterwards. And by the time we got back, it's like, there's no way we're going to record Sunday night and be vaguely coherent any more so than normal. So what we've done is we've we're back in Kansas City, but we decided to grab Alex to come along with us via the magic of Skype. Yes, the the wonderful magic that is Skype. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't say it was good magic. It was the, yeah, dark, yeah. the darkest magics. But Chaos uh, would be proud. Yes, indeed. Uh, so we've you know by way of the warp, we've brought Alex back to join us as we kind of do our recap on. Uh, on the three days of gaming that was the Renegade Open. Um, oh, yeah. So I guess I th- maybe we can just go Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That works. So Friday, we start off with the doubles. 
um, the team doubles, which was a lot of fun. Uh, Dennis and I were playing that, and we, as our listeners may know, we were playing uh, also Nesh. Yep. I had the demon side. And I had the uh, Chaos Space Marine side, which I got painted in just over a week, which was an insane bit of painting. And uh, I, if you follow me on Instagram, which I'm a knocker geek at Instagram, uh, that's knocker with an N, no K at the beginning. <laughs> you can see the progress of me stripping these models and getting, like, stripping the Mauler Fiend and then repainting everything for the, for this army. So, uh, which I added just enough character to appease Alex. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was enough where I harassed you and, yes. and appreciated the beauty that was <laughs> your character, but. Well, what was really neat about that actually is that you you posted it out there and then you you asked for feedback and then like that's went back and added some stuff to it. So yeah, I thought that was really cool that you were you know that you were taking soliciting listener and and you know follower feedback on that. So yeah, that well, it's cool. it's like with the sisters. Like I still at at the friendly, which we'll get to. I even had some you know they had people like that's a really neat paint scheme. How'd you come up with that? I'm like I put it up to a vote for our listeners and they decided what I was going to paint it as. So I kind of I, I I don't know. There's something about giving up a little bit of that control and just kind of going with it. As an aside, and I'll make this real quick because I know we're trying to be a little tighter. Somebody at the friendly asked us asked me he's like, so do you guys as a podcast have like do like group painting and have everybody paint your armies? And I'm like, I looked at your army and then I looked at mine and I looked at him and said. No, <laughs> like no, we don't. We don't. We don't paint as a group. We paint individually. It's very obvious. <laughs> you didn't get the lowest score at the friendly. I promise you didn't go there. Anyway, there were so, well, there were yeah. people with unpainted models. I think there were. So, yeah, there, absolutely, there were, and they rocked. Man, let me tell you. They <laughs> uh, but anyway, the uh, so the the team tournament uh, was act- also was kind of interesting because it was our first opportunity to kind of play with um the new uh renegade format uh, which uh, was not used for the gt but they're kind of beta testing it with the doubles tournament um unfortunately we're unable to get uh dave armand on tonight we tried to but uh sound quality from his side was sounding like talking in a bucket covered with uh, a stocking so uh we're not not going to subject anyone to that. So, which unfortunately, because the content would be fantastic. Yes. They, Dave's always yeah. an awesome. I mean, there's a reason why he is our official fifth chair. Uh, but uh, so we're going to give him feedback on it. Um, it's basically, if anyone's listened to our past episodes about the Renegade Open or early episodes from the Midwest Conquest, mm-hmm. uh, the Renegade format was built around having uh, four missions. Each player selects their mission independently, so you end up with this asymmetrical play style. And then they've had a challenge in the last couple of years trying to get that to work with kind of the way 8th edition is scored. Mm-hmm. And this year they kind of did it by blending in some ideas from the ITC, which uh, – and I don't want to put this all out there because I know they're still refining yeah. this. It's, it's a work in progress. Uh, but it also makes sense because ITC has borrowed a number of ideas from the Renegade Open Packet, so... Mm-hmm. It's good. Use yeah. it. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, uh, all these... You, you end up with packets that are not identical, but share enough DNA that like you can see how they work kind of in concert. Yeah, and it's not like a foreign experience to walk into a, a Renegade Open event and like play these Renegade missions, and if you're familiar with ITC or vice versa. So, yeah, it's, yeah. I think it's good. 
Well, and the only way that you can really test a, a good format is throw it through a bunch of RTTs or one one good GT and a couple RTTs, just because you can't really get the play style and uh, the ability to break any sort of system of gameplay yeah. uh, without a large number of people getting into it. So it, it does help, and feedback from anybody that is listening that did play in the doubles, definitely toss it towards Dave, or uh, info at renegadeopen.com, um, and they'll be able to... Uh, uh, you know, coalesce that information and uh, collate. Collate's the word. It's late, okay? Yeah. No, <laughs> collate the data and, and uh, go for that. So um, I know they'd greatly appreciate it. Yeah. The, the couple of things I the, – the couple of critiques I will give real quick is that there were a couple of items that needed just a little bit of cleanup. Kind of – you could tell early draft wording. Yeah. Just need to be some refinement. And I have some issues about the timing on when certain things were scored. And we were sitting around in the hotel room afterwards kind of going through it. And, like, there's some things that are scored starting at the beginning of a player's second turn, which it always gets messy because often you'll be in the middle of playing and then realized you forgot to start scoring it. Yep. So yeah. we just kind of so, – oh, like, yeah. So our suggestion would just be one to start – scoring phase. Yeah, one scoring phase at the end of the battle round because it's effectively the same. It gives a little bit of a benefit to the second player because the first player doesn't get to react to what they do. But at the same time, going first in this game is such an advantage. I don't feel bad about that. Yeah. Yeah. But, th- but you know, otherwise, the missions – like when we first looked at them, there were a couple that seemed like – like there's one called Total War where you're actually trying to kill targets and hold objectives and take table court or like table quarters and like when we first looked at it, it was like oh man this is gonna be a nightmare to actually try a lot to of bookkeeping a lot of bookkeeping it, it actually wasn't. ended up no it actually ended up being fine yeah. Um, no yeah it, it felt like hey you want to play your ITC pick this mission yeah and yeah. I, I will admit that's one of the things I have I guess kind of missed is. I, we played in the doubles. I got to like, we got to choose primary missions again. Mm-hmm. That was fun. It, you have it brings up a lot of thought. And then when you go back to the ITC, which I did for the champs, I was looking for my primary missions to pick, and I was like, oh, it's it's already fixed and everything's fixed. <laughs> so I I really do like being able to pick a primary mission in the Renegade style. So I I will give you guys that, and that's to me what makes this feel like the Renegade style. I absolutely. Yeah, it did. It and it did feel good to kind of like have to make look at the look at an army, look at what we had left that we hadn't picked yet, and be like, okay, which one's going to be our best best pick here? Um, the only other downside, and this wasn't a fault in the mission packet, but it was a couple of the missions are scored progressively, so you know you earn points at like there's a couple that are end game, and there's a couple that are progressive, and so the progressive ones you earn points based on like for each turn. The problem is. Four, you know, this is basically a four-player game with you know two two-player teams, and anytime you have four people talking through things, exchanging like this is what my army does. So here's all the things that here's like here's all my units. Here's all the the war gear I have, the relics, the warlord trades, psychic powers, etc. And then coordinating four people deploy like two teams deploying their armies, and it was all alternating deployment. Um. On I think all three of our games, the first hour of our two-hour forty-five-minute time was chewed up just going through pregame and deployment. Not because anyone was Ugh. really go, and not because anyone was slow. We were trying to keep a good pace up, but it's—I mean—you're effectively trebling the time that yeah. it takes to yeah. do that. 
And so, because also, like, the decision of, like, okay, do you want to deploy a unit here? Or should I deploy a unit here? Mm-hmm. When you're one player doing that, that's all in your head. But when you've got two players on a team doing it... Is that supposed to be all in your head? It should be. Oh, uh, okay, that would explain a lot. Okay, go on. <laughs> but that explains, that explains why Kevin is so good at 40K. So, I will say only one of our games got to turn three. The other two yeah, and, and stopped it, you're too. you're not... A- you're not alone. Uh, you were uh, definitely not alone in that that assessment too, where people came out and they're like, "Man, I only got through like two, maybe three turns," um, and and that was time. That was it. And and there were a lot of people that that really didn't seem like they got. You know, a lot of armies do sometimes open up in the later game and mm-hmm. and allow for them to score points as they whittle down at the beginning of the game. So it it's kind of a bummer for for that, um, especially being that doubles events typically take a lot longer yeah so but talking about the missions though the gt all all it looked like most all those games went four or five six turns so yeah that well, didn't seem to be a problem well, and i think mm-hmm. also it's familiarity with the yeah. itc format well, I, I, and I was, single player on each side right. i was the, gonna say if we put the renegade missions into a single player oh i think yeah would, i think time would not be an issue it, it really no. was just the, the multiplayer to be absolutely fair the doubles would work better as an event over like two days, but when you're trying to do that and the GT in the same hall, yeah. that's that's a and with some of the same players, mm-hmm. that's a problem. So, but all these all these critiques aside, all three of our games were fantastic. Oh, Even yeah. though we only had like two turns in most of them, that those two turns were so packed with action and back and oh, forth, yeah. they were fantastic. Like, so our. Uh, we're not going to cover individual games because we just don't have the time for it. But I do want to call out our, our uh, opponents real quick. So our first round, we played Amazon Tech Support, which was uh, <laughs> which was uh, Peter Hargrove and Shane Kellner playing uh, Farsight Enclave's Tau and uh, uh, Adeptus Mechanicus. And those are some good guys. And, by and the we, way. yeah, and when we like, they started putting down their, or they started telling us what their army does. It's like, okay, yeah, Farsight, yeah, we know they got this this suit and like some fire warriors, and everybody's got stealth thrones. Oh, what do you have? Uh, I've got a uh, like a tech priest Dominus and an engine seer and some vanguard. Oh, and a Castellan knight. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I will say in that game, one highlight the contorted. Um, epitome just wonderful. yeah the the epitome won us the in in a couple of our games the the epitome kept us from losing because tying something up and just not letting it go made a big different life in that game it was farsight who got surrounded by demonettes and just locked in uh in, and they killed him yeah and so uh, we managed to pull out a tie in that one uh, our second round we played uh a banana republic which was mike rogers and dan champagne both from saint cloud wargaming and then, mm. yep. yep, they're the guys that run uh, run Wafest. Oh, really? They're, oh, they're nice. some, yeah. So we'll the, get to any see of them the guys again. that had those those uh, tannish uh, yeah, gray the, shirts. What the Granite City Warrior shirts? Yeah, those guys run Wafest. They do an amazing job. They're they fantastic nice. up there. So yeah, you you guys played some high caliber nice. Yeah, so we yeah, so we play uh, the, yeah, they had a couple more nights and then Emperor's one of them was children. Emperor's Children. So we had a, an Emperor's Children on Emperor's Children match both with Mahler Fiends on the side. So that mm. was fun. And the Mahler Fiends got to slap each other. Yeah. Dan <laughs> Dan was rolling saves like a god. He rolled so many six up in like he had five up invulns 
to make, and he was rolling so many sixes, it was ridiculous. Yeah, it's in my <laughs> highlight was Demonettes taking out a knight. Yep, took out a knight gallant. Oof, nice. So uh, in the end, we ended up winning that one like 23 to 20. And then Super our close. and then our third game was against John Cloak and Alan Halverson from Two Guys One Codex. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the team tournament was. I mean, I, I can't really say anything. Our team name was not Preferred Enemies. It was in fact Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll. So, it was just. Uh-huh. It was in the spirit of event. <laughs> uh, in the spirit of the event. I, and that one we ended up losing by one point. Uh, Oof. 12 to 11. It was, again, a great game where we discovered that charging into the middle and trying to tie everything up was a trap because of uh, Space Marines doing Tau Overwatch better than Tau. Yeah. Yep. yep. And uh, and backed up by Marnius Kalgar. <laughs> if they hadn't done that, it would have been different. It would have been a very different game. If your Rhino could have survived... The, yeah, my, yeah, I tried to Overwatch... I tried to charge my Rhino into a Leviathan Dread to... Uh, to soak up the Overwatch so that Celeste could get in and mm. beat it to death, and it obliterated like that. The, it, the Rhino died in Overwatch, <laughs> and that pretty much tanked that plan. Yep. So, but no, it, again, great game. Uh, all three fun. games were fantastic, and uh, in the end, um, the uh, team that won was, and I'm going to bring up the team name, was sliding in the DMs, and that was Marv Sims and Dave Denuser. Yeah. I'm absolutely not surprised. <laughs> but let me, let me show you my shocked face. <laughs> but we did not go and go home empty-handed because we won best team spirit slash sportsmanship. Uh, yeah, well deserved too. So preferred enemies won that award. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kevin says that because he showed up on like he flew in and arrived at the hotel like Friday evening while we're finishing up yeah. round three. Um, but. Uh, so we got uh, some beer tumblers, shot glasses, dice, and two tickets to Wafest. Yeah. Heck yeah, you guys got to make it up for that. And for those that don't know, Wafest is a uh, an event. It's an RTT held at a bar uh, in June here in Minnesota up in St. Cloud. Um, it's about 45 minutes northwest of the cities. And it is a fantastic event. Everything is themed per year and all the missions are orc based themed per year. So we had one where it was Deadpool and you were the war boss trying to, you know, protect Deadpool and everybody got a Deadpool model. Um, they had a Mad Max themed where they sprayed everybody's face with silver paint as you wit- you were witnessed to do <laughs> a certain thing on a card. I mean, it's just, it's buck wild crazy. Um, drinks all around you get points for buying your opponent drinks and having a good old time it it is a amazing event so i cannot wait for you guys to come up and experience that yeah we have been it's been recommended to several times so now we have no reason not to be there absolutely none other than dennis may have trouble because he may be moving in that time but if nothing else, like Richard will still be here in KC, and it sounds like an event that would be actually right this up his alley. Right up Richard's alley, absolutely. So we yeah. will, yeah. So one way or another, there will be two preferred enemies. Even if I have to grab somebody to be an honorary preferred enemy, I will be <laughs> Ooh, there. there. I go. will be there. There you go. Um, and then uh, real quick, uh, Friday night was also the night joust. Mm-hmm. We can skip the night joust. Nothing important happened, right, Alex? No, nothing important happened. There. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> so uh, it was a five-on-five night joust to start off with, uh, and all three preferred enemies were on one side. Yep. That's because he did locals versus not locals. That's, yes. Yeah, which yeah. worked out well. Yeah, all the Minnesota crew was on one side. All the non-Minnesotans were on the, were on the other. Um, I man- The Minnesotans won. <laughs> and I will point out we had two new people, too. Yes, yeah, you did have that. two new people, and that was... 
That was very cool. And I found that the Night Joust, is, because you're dealing with one model at a time and you've got – and everybody's running the same kind of model for the mm-hmm. most part, you know, other than cheesy bastards who bring Atropos. Um, well, them aside, yeah. yeah them aside. Um, <laughs> everyone's pretty much running the same stat line. So it's yeah. a really good way and in a very low-pressure setting to yeah. allow a new player to get a feel for it. And also to get to roll a bunch of dice and kind of get into the moment. Like your friend Aaron, who was playing, you know, yep. his first game, first exposure to the actual gameplay of 40K. And he was so into it. Yeah, oh, yeah. they were having a blast. <laughs> it was great because people on the other side were telling him, like, no, no, no you got to roll this and you might want to shoot this here. You know, everybody was really open to him being a new player and not knowing any of the strategy or any of the rules because at the end of the day, it it really comes down to to blind luck in that game Mm -hmm. Um, and and who dies first and who shoots first. So it's it's sometimes just, you know, you can kind of accept it. And you could definitely tell that his energy was bleeding off to everybody else and and they were having a good old time with it. So um, it... It was nice to see excitement from a new player really take over and uh, and show through in the community overall. Oh yeah, and then so, you, and yeah. then you also had uh, your friend Cheryl Matheson's uh, coaching. Was it Anna? Yeah, Anna. Yeah, uh, one of the one of the players' girlfriends, and and she was <laughs> she was just having a good time too, screaming <laughs> and, and at then everybody. By the, and, end, by the oh, end of the man. weekend, she was like going around and checking out different armies, and like I I want to play something, and, and I'm like yeah. I'm looking for something that like visually what what I want to have, and so she was she was into it. So yep, and she had a good time. She both she and Aaron, and this always happens. Newbies always end up in the finals. Yeah, because <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. both Anna and Aaron ended up in the finals. Uh, with, uh, I believe you and, was it Cheryl, or no, it was you and, uh, Asa, you and Asa, 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 who, Asa Carlson, who brought the Zerachniel that you had, well, it was a creature caster model, but that you had painted for his army. So yeah, it was just this four player slugfest. Uh, Also, there was one tweak to the rules. I I think it would be, Mm -hmm. we'd be amiss if we didn't cover. And that was that, uh, Jake Linfers, who was running the night just, I put in the rule that basically all damage was like you measured how much damage you had, but it didn't take effect until the beginning of that player. Whoever did like on the turn that it happened, that player's beginning of next turn was yep. when the damage would actually take effect. Mm-hmm. And then all explosions were at maximum size, ma- maximum range, maximum damage always exploded when the knight dies. Yep. Um, there's some good, it, on the one hand, it created some very crazy scenarios. On, <laughs> yeah, I just, mean, uh, that's a minor statement of crazy <laughs> scenarios. I mean, people yeah. running at each other, like, I'm going to die, I'm going to take you all with me. Uh, which, on the other hand, it did create some weirdness as far as, like, Overwatch, whether it was effective or not. Um, you know, or like yeah. melee knights were at a bit of a disadvantage because they were going to automatically take six wounds of damage when they, the knight that they were killing died. Mm-hmm. So you, you ended up with, and it also made it kind of it messy to track. Okay. So who's actually dying this turn? So who is our last person standing? But, you know, yeah, give to give. You know, it, so that is on the one hand, it's a critique, but I got to yeah. give like we were talking with Jake later on Sunday evening. It's like, well, to give credit where credit's due, though, you tried something new. Yep. You tried something to try to get rid of that first turn, someone getting focused, fired off the board feeling. So, yeah. uh, whether well, how well I, it worked, I, you know, 
Yeah, and and I mean, I'd really like to see um, a modification to that. Like, uh, just off the top of my head, thinking about it since then, um, if you're doing Overwatch to a knight that's going to die, and it's like, well, I can't do damage. Maybe you slow him down instead. Yeah. You yeah. you you know, any one damage is like half an inch or something like that. So every two damages is an inch that they they get you know minus to their charge range. So whenever their or their movement even. Um, so that they're able to get slowed down, and that way, because we did run into a couple uh, times where I, I know one specific moment was me charging Dennis in the corner, and he's like, "Well, I can't really Overwatch you because you don't, you're gonna die. You don't I really get hurt by this because it didn't matter because you were gonna die. So it, yep. that's where the feels bad get feels like got transferred from getting shot off the board the first turn to well." It's my first turn. I shot at that. And now my second turn, well, I can't do anything because everyone's going to explode and they're all running at me. So, okay, I guess yep. I'll just stand here and this is fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I do feel it was better than just getting shot off the board because I've been shot off the board turn one and I never even got to move my knight before. And that yeah. really is not a good feeling at all. Um, however, it, it does need tweaking. It does need yeah. some, but that's just the evolution of the game. Yeah, so. absolutely. But like, it was still a lot of fun. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. You know, oh, yeah, everyone no. still had a blast. And uh, you know, I like. I like. There was other things that Jake did as well. Like he had, uh, he had other people come by and like, okay, you know, just random people. Around, <laughs> like, hey, no, movie. it wasn't just no, it no, wasn't no. random people. It's like you find somebody oh. who is not involved in this game. You cannot tell them what your strategy is or what your not- model can do. They have to move it for you. Do you know, oh man, that I part found, sounds fun. Yeah, I found the drone. <laughs> The drunkest one of, one of our players, yeah, drunk is uh, drunk girlfriend says she's like hitting all of his stuff from uh, from shots hammer in the you know on the other side of the room, and she's moving it. I'm like guiding her over to the to the oh, table. Right. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, when it was my turn to do that, I asked because your knight was bearing down on mine, and uh, so I asked Jake, "Does it have to be someone in this room?" And he's like, "No." And so I ran all the way to the registration desk. <laughs> and actually, John Champ was standing there, and I almost got him. And then I looked over, and I saw your wife, Becky, Alex. Yep. And I'm like, no, even better. <laughs> oh, and she even has better. zero qualms throwing me under the bus for it. Oh, so yeah. she was like, yes, excellent. <laughs> Granted, I still died gloriously immediately afterwards. But, you know, it was well, it was still a fun game. <laughs> um, so, yeah, some cheesy bastard with an Atropos ended up winning. Like I don't know who that is or what they're doing. Or, <laughs> oh no! You oh, hey, look. There's an there's an award on my shelf. Damn yeah. <laughs> they, yeah so, so Alex won, and his punishment is that he has another knight to paint. Right. I do. I do. <laughs> and because you had already painted most of the knights on the table, you were not. And it's because not a lie. and because you had already won uh, best play. You know, you had won top. You know, first place. Uh, you were unable to win the best painted prize, so I had to win that. And let me tell you. If there's a person that deserved it, it was definitely you. Well, so you. it, it, uh, it's well deserved, a well deserved win. So I have zero qualms giving that up to you, sir. And then I believe it was Anna actually won last to fall, which, yes. is, the, yeah, which is basically, basically second, second place. place. Yeah. Which I believe is like yep. two armagers, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, it was, uh, two warglaves. Yeah. Yep. So, so her, uh, so her first models, <laughs> her, you know. her addiction starts. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta hand yeah. out that plastic crack somewhere. Absolutely. All right, now while we've still got Dennis Dennis with us, because he has a trip to leave for early in the morning, so uh, we're going to move on to Saturday, which 
uh, other than recording uh, segments with uh, you and, and Jake, Alex, uh, mm-hmm. ri- uh, Kevin and I did nothing. So it was, th- this was all Dennis going into the GT. Well, I'll say the, the GT started way too early. And I think that's being remedied for next year. Next year, they're going to start at nine and kind of standardize th- it. They were kind of actually discussing, and I don't, I hope, hopefully I'm allowed to talk about this or not, but um, uh, as far as I know, they may start all the events at 9 that and try and wonderful. kick it off. Yeah, kick it off with a standard like, hey, this is the start time for everything. Yeah, because at uh, 7 a.m. So. just felt really early. And also on Saturday, the, the um, breakfast place at the hotel wasn't open until about 7 a.m. So it's like, oh, mm-hmm. man. But um, once things got rolling, um, well, actually – at breakfast that morning, I was sitting by Jason and um, some of the guys from the north and Mark Weiss and yeah, you were because yeah with the other Warhogs yeah, yeah and so we were oh, just hogs, talking yeah. and I think that might have inspired Jason to put Mark and me together on the first round on the stream. Yeah, so here's another event where I have the the stream and apparently. I got a meme made out of it too. Cool. Uh, yeah. So, um, you can watch it. You'll be able to watch the stream on, uh, right now. Cause it's, it's Lord Marshall TV now rather than yes, Iron Halo yeah. t- TV. So you may be able to watch it there. And within a week, it'll be uploaded to YouTube. Uh, yeah. So it was Mark Weiss's Grey Knights versus Dennis Weiss's Slanesh and Chaos Knights. And, uh, not to put too fine a point on it. And I'm sorry, Dennis, but, for everything we were told is there was a master class in how not to beat Grey Knights. Probably. <laughs> it was also a thing of I didn't have anything there. He had nothing on the board for most of the game. Yeah. You know, Grey Knights will do that to you. Yeah. Yep. So needless to say, I, I kind of lost. Um, but it was still a very fun game. Yeah. <laughs> and then we went to check on him and just his second round pairings oh. went up and all we see is Dennis walking by with his army going, I'm boned. <laughs> and we looked at the pairing and then we discovered why. Because right, you yep, were, he's boned. <laughs> yep, because you were paired against, uh, what, former captain of, or he might still be, uh, but, uh, former, definitely Team America member. Team America member, Andrew Gagno. <laughs> well, yeah. And that game went about as you expect because, um, Thunderfire cannons underneath buildings, mm-hmm. along with um, eleven-inch flamers from his assault centurions. Assault centurions. The game was pretty short in one side. Yeah, but hey, I, I did what I could. But you do learn a lot from those types of games because, like, I played. No, uh, well, I no, actually, so, didn't. Well, okay. Well, maybe. Oh, maybe you're just not good at this. Uh, but like when I played, <laughs> when I played uh, Kyle Thompson a couple years ago, who's a really good player. I learned a lot from that game when I played Ryan Olsen, uh, two years ago, who ended up, skip ahead, ended up winning the, you know, the first place at the Renegade Open. Like, I did learn from those games. They were, like, short and painful, but I did learn from them. So, you know, it, it is actually good to get those experiences. And, you know, as you said, it was a great experience to play him, you know, oh, yeah. and he was that, fun. That was still so, good. I so. mean, the, his list was really solid and I had nothing that could crack it. And yeah. he's a phenomenal player, too. Yeah. But from what you said, really nice guy to play. Oh, he was wonderful to play against. I mean, he explained everything he was doing. He actually asked questions of mine so so that he would understand things. So we yeah. always had that level mm-hmm. field of expectations. And as a uh, as a brief, brief aside, as we were driving back yesterday, we were reading on the Warhammer community page about the uh, previews for the points changes in Chapter Approved. And the article was written by playtester Andrew Gagno. So I was like, oh, well, that also explains part of this. <laughs> like, so he's that level of player, which, yeah. yeah. 
So then round three, I got placed against orcs and, um, Jason Minard, who he's been to Midwest Conquest mm-hmm. and he's played us before. So it, it, it was a fun, casual f- game that it actually kind of went back and forth. Um, he was very surprised that demonettes could kill orc boys quite easily. Um, oh yeah. I was not surprised that his Daka jet can take out Havocs because Havocs are apparently super fragile that they don't, they just die every game. Unless people don't target priority of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then, so that's day one ended 0 and 3, but I was expecting, hoping for like a win was my, my goal. So mm-hmm. then we'll, we'll, we'll see what day two did. Um, started off the morning against, um, Jack, uh, Essif. I think I got that name right. Yep. Um, and he was, oh wait, no, I've got these backwards. Jack was the orcs player. Sorry. Jason was the, um, Iron Hands. Iron Hands player. Ah, okay. uh, yes. Uh, yeah. I'm getting them mixed mm. up. Sorry, guys. No, Jason's game with the Iron Hands, It. we learned that, um, now I forget his name, Fabius. Uh, uh, Pharos. Iron, yeah, Iron Father Pharos. Fa- Iron Father Pharos is a healing machine. Oh, no, no. You uh-huh. discovered that. The rest of us have known that We've for, known a that for a while. <laughs> this was, and this is after they FAQ'd and towed him down. Yeah. <laughs> like, toned down? Yes. Yes. Oh, my. Yeah. He used to give a six-up invuln to all Iron Hands, including okay. vehicles. Yeah. Now it's just infantry. Okay, because he was he healed one of his things. Oh, like no. He auto he, he auto heals like yeah. three three He's turn, and then they've got good. the stratagem to, to do, do it, it again. Time. So, yeah. yeah. He, I, like, knocked one down, a band, which was hard because... They don't go down until like the end. Yeah, and Iron Father just said it's fine. Yeah, I mean, no, no. The Iron Hands are hardy as hell. Mm-hmm. Oh so, yeah. So that Very. game, it, it was a lot of I don't say futility, but I, I was doing what I could. I just felt like I didn't have enough shooting. Yeah, and I, I I don't know. Demonettes did what they needed to do and killed things, but they had to get there is the problem. Demonettes yeah. don't do enough shooty? That's weird. No, they never would have guessed that. <laughs> so yeah. so then, then Jack was the orcs one who I just mentioned. Um, then my last or two, um, fifth game was against um, Eric McDonough. I am horrible with names, pronunciations. <laughs> well, Rob is at times. Yeah, too, it, so. that's, that's, our, that's our thing. Um, and <laughs> his, you got to be known for something. Yeah. <laughs> and he actually was playing Thousand Sons. Which is something you don't normally see on the table, and not recently anyway. Right, and mm. there was actually a couple of Thousand Suns players, of which there was also, if you count minus mostly or halfway Slanesh, there was also another Slanesh player, and then Asa playing Slanesh. So there were at least three people that had Slanesh demons on the boards, which I loved. But going back to this one, Slanesh versus um, Thousand Suns, it was back and forth game until um, he charged Magnus into my warlord. And I got off the luckiest Overwatch I've ever seen and did 14 <laughs> wounds from my Knight Desecrator into Magnus the Red on Overwatch. <laughs> did it kill him? No, it didn't kill him because he was at full. Yeah. Okay. But, but still. that still probably knocks him down to what, like four or five? It wounds knocked him four? down to four health. And, yeah. And he was just. He and then he's got to fight you in melee. Yes, <laughs> which did not go well. For no, him. I can't imagine. And that will probably be a story I always take. Because, I mean, we always talk about the, the stories of the game. The little moments, yeah. The little mo- that's the little <laughs> moment. That's the story that will always go on. That game, because mostly because I killed Magnus, and I actually pulled out my win. So I made my, my first win of the tournament. So we all can say wow. yay. Yay! Uh, not wow. Yay. He says wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, which 
knocked me up, so I was not playing for the wooden spoon, even though Renegade doesn't have a wooden spoon. No, but they do have a dead last award, I believe. Or did they get rid of that? No, they, they did. Okay. Just not you. Just not me. I, I, I avoided that. Um, last game was against um, Ryan Klein. It almost felt like a mirror match, sort of, because he had um, the Renegade Knight Gallant. I forgot its name. Two War Dogs. A bunch of Havocs, except he only had two squads, not three, because he had an Obliterator. Uh-huh. And then um, Mortarian and some Cultists. Okay. So it's like, oh, change Cultists for Demoness, Mortarian for my other two? Uh, yeah. We're... It felt so similar. Um, yeah. The... They were tough. Mm-hmm. Um, I owned, ended up only killing two models that game. Ooh. I mean, those Ouch. two models were Mortarian and his Warlord Knight. Uh, well, there's Well, that. if you got to take something out, you know, Actually, go no, big I, or go I, home. I, I lied. I killed two units because I did sell some of his Havocs. I just didn't finish off the squads before Mortarian and the Knight were in my lines. Because they were as fast as I was. Um, yeah, Morty's fast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Morty is fast. But the epitome kept denying Morty his powers. Oh, nice. And she kept um, him from running away. So he he got to get locked in, and I don't know if that was a good thing, but I killed him be- at the turn after he tried to run away. So oh hey, any kill you can walk away from is a good one. Exactly. No, the the funny part story from this one that I'll always take as well is I got tabled, but how I got tabled was my demonettes killed his warlord knight. The knight exploded and did exactly enough wounds to wipe out my last demonette squad. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, nice. man. <laughs> so, I mean, you can't be mad when that happens. No, no, it's you really can't. You, you really can't. So, no, that that was another great game. And it, it felt fun seeing, like, a list very, very similar to mine on the table as well. So, that made me feel like, yeah, this is fun. <laughs> so, in the end, one and five. Um, but the more important thing is I had no no bad games. They were all fun. Thanks. They were all exciting to do so and, and even games where you got kind of rolled oh, you yeah. had a good time yeah i mean ganya was a great guy so then that moves us over to the rest of sunday which while you were busy uh getting your one win at the <laughs> at the gt uh kevin and i were busy getting one win between us at the uh, friendly well hold on hold on before we before we skip ahead i'd actually like to interject that we had uh, a really good turnout for the painting competition at the oh, oh yes. yeah no you had yeah. some fan. Uh, no, the painting competition, you guys had to buy an extra Ikea glass shelf yeah. unit to fit it all. <laughs> yeah, Puck had to run out in the middle of the middle of the day and uh, grab a new shelf. It was nuts. We had our Last year, we had like 20-some entries. This year, we had 54. It was, and, man, and a lot of Titanics, too. Uh, you know, not nearly as much. They just take up a lot of space. Mm-hmm. Not nearly as many Titanics as you might think, but there were, there were quite a number. So... It was, um, you know, you entered yours, um, and uh, and actually, I, I believe you were awarded uh, I, yes. a category. So I had four entries. I entered in my knight. I entered in Celestine and the Gemini as a unit. And then I was, like, thinking, you know what? I've got a couple more models that I brought with me that I'm not using that I could put in. So I had a Ministorm Priest that I was really pleased with, and I've got Uriah Jacobus. And... I when I draw them off, it's like, well, you can only have one per category, and I'm like, and so what categories? Well, there's sci-fi character, and there's like fantasy steampunk character. I'm like, well, the priest has a very obvious auto gun strapped to his backpack, so I'll put him in sci-fi, and 
Jacobus just has a shotgun. So, yeah, he's got a chainsword bit strapped on his back and you can't really tell. So, yeah, let's throw him into steampunk. And I, and then I saw some of the other entries in the fantasy steampunk. I'm like, well, I'll just be collecting him a little bit later. And I was very happily surprised to discover that I had won best fantasy slash historical slash steampunk model oh, with yeah. Jacobus. So you were correct. And, you didn't pick him up later. You just, I just picked with an award. Yeah. <laughs> just much later. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Uh, and and it was it's a fantastic looking model, and we had a lot of really awesome entries this year. A lot of them that we we hemmed and hawed over too, uh, between myself and Bert, trying to decide you know which one we thought would be a really good option, or you know um, just if you want a difficult job, go into paint judging. It's <laughs> well, it's you- the hardest thing to do well yeah and you were telling me afterwards that at at that level it gets to the point where you're just more trying to tick off marks for okay these are all phenomenal what's wrong with them rather than what's right with them yeah yeah if if there's uh something that people walk away from uh listening to this paint your uh, the underside of your models because it's the first thing that a judge will do is flip it upside down uh and look at it from underneath um because that'll make and break a model and i've actually had uh categories that have that have been lost because the the model up front up top looks fantastic and beautiful and you flip it upside down you're like well that's just primer down there you know you don't really so it's a holistic if you're entering into a painting competition that's overarching Mm -hmm. it becomes more than just who has the prettiest army and who put in a significant more time you know significant amount of time on their army it's like you have to take everything that you put into an army and put into one model yeah um and sometimes that makes and breaks it so i will say the best in show winner which was the uh the joker team from the batman adventures game that was one of the most beautifully painted, like the gradients on some of the, th- the fine details, like the characters all looked spot on. The basing was phenomenal. The Yeah, all the, all the basing had like scratches in it saying haha all over the place and like different colors and shifting tones and like had tattoos on them. And uh, I, Bert and I kept going back and forth between that and another one. Uh, and we kept going, well, the only thing that we can really find with the Batman models is a seam line. That was the only thing wrong with them that we could really find, uh, and in the end, it took the victory. So it was uh, it was hard. It was a hard decision, but one that we were happy to make. Yeah, no, that, it was it was a very good competition. There was some absolutely just some absolutely yeah. beautiful beautiful stuff in that case. All right, so now mm-hmm. we will move on to the friendly, which you were also <laughs> helping run with Mister yes. Linfers. I was, I was, I was trying to do my best being a co TO uh, for the event. So. It was a ton of fun. Yeah, it yeah. was. It was a lot of fun. Um, it was a retro hammer style event, which uh, we've talked about in our old hammer slash retro mm-hmm. hammer episode. So using the fifth edition, sixth edition style army build and oh uh, yeah, army yeah, build yeah, and missions. Mission, mm-hmm. Yeah, very fifth edition style missions, but with a little tweak, a little bit more uh, progressive scoring yeah. in some cases than uh, like out, out straight from the book fifth ed- mm-hmm. fifth edition game, but. Uh, we had a full sixteen people. Like we had a whole room just for this event, which was yeah. Great. It- which was fantastic because last year we when we did the uh, the friendly it was in the hall with the GT and the RTT and we were kind of squished between them so there was like the, all this very tense competitive atmosphere yep. and then like right in the middle it was just this joyous kind of you know people throwing up their hands and yelling about whatever and this year we had our own room so it was it was good fun to be able to kind of let loose in that area yeah and and the room it just all of us being in one room the energy I think yeah. was really mm-hmm. good too. Oh yeah, Definitely. yeah. Other than it being day three and everybody's kind of you know you get 
day three, game three, everybody's kind of wearing on a bit, but the the smiles were all there, and there was a lot of laughter going on. So that's that's kind of what you want to hear. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so real quick, um, I played Nick Janowski first round, who I bought <laughs> a very cunning hat from. Yes, that yes. I now have Nushanka, yes. which makes me very happy. Um, and I did not expect to have one, but uh, it's but a no. Hat. Yeah, but he was playing his uh, U.S. Postal Service themed Harlequins, which mm-hmm. uh, uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a very, very bloody game on both sides. Actually, I think all three of my games were just absolute just murder fests. <laughs> pretty I, much everybody that I talked to that played pretty much said the exact same thing. Like the missions lended themselves to the super bloody, very close games. Oh, they and, were. It was awesome to see, and everybody walked away with that kind of mentality. Yeah, it was a lot yeah. of fun. But yeah, I digress. Yeah, so in that one, I I managed to uh, to just outscore him uh, on at the, at the end. So I did win that one, and then uh, second round I played uh, Tyler Steffenhagen, which was funny because we played each other last year in round two of the friendly. <laughs> uh, so last year we were both playing. Um, and we were both playing Death Guard last year. So oh, yeah. Both yeah. with Typhus. So it was a mirror match. And we decided to play it last year to seven kill points. Whoever got to seven kill points first won because that's Nurgle's magic number. Sure. And that meant that was the true, true, true Typhus, of Nurgle. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So, uh, but this year he was playing uh, Blood Angels with Mephiston. And I was playing, I was actually playing the last run of the Beta Codex Sisters before the new book hits like this weekend. So, uh, which I actually found. The more I played it, the more I really didn't mind. Is if I if I built my army properly to take advantage of the acts of faith system as they had it. I love how you like in the middle of saying that stopped yourself and qualified it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. you can't bring yourself to say that you like that acts of faith. I don't. They're not as they're not as shit as you thought they were. They, they were there were a few that were useful, and because of the way I built my army, it yeah. was very easy for me to get some of them to work. <laughs> but uh, but no, it was a lot of fun. Um, we had a moment there, like, that one was a kill points mission, and his stuff was harder to kill than mine, but I tried to use, like, board positioning as mm-hmm. and as much as possible to mitigate what he could do to me. Um, one great moment was Mephiston got into, like, used Wings of Sanguinius, like, get into a building and, like, beat my retributors to death, but he, but he left one standing who I went ahead and, like, had fight back and managed to put one wound on him before running away from morale. And then I flew in Celestine and just, and used the strat Suffer Not the Witch, which lets you reroll all wo- failed wounds mm. against Psychers. Mm. And yeah, and he just, he couldn't save enough to, to withstand that. But he ended up out killing, that was the kill points mission. He yeah. ended up, and that one was, you had to kill, it was like ITC kill more each turn. Yeah, it was and then, kill one, kill more. You kill, or, kill one for a point and kill more for another point. Basically. No, no, or, no, it wasn't that. It was kill or, more each turn and then at the end of the game, it, like up oh, to four, right, and then at the right, end yeah. of the game, if you had that's killed right. more overall, then you got four bonus that's points. That's what it was. You're right. You're so, right. Oh, okay. So it was yep, kind of yep. hard to bounce back from if you started falling behind, but like the last turn I killed, like I did kill more of his stuff than he killed of mine, but at that point, there was m- not much we'll, left. We'll talk more about that in my round two. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then round three was against uh, Cheryl Mathensons, and uh, that one was... That was another fantastic game, uh, and it all ended up turning on one moment where I made a gamble, and it completely did not pay off. 
Um, Celestine got surrounded by Wolfen after charging into her Thunderwolves <laughs> and like cutting him down to like one model remaining. And then the Wolfen popped out of a Storm Wolf and surrounded her. And she had the Gemini there, and uh, they pers- they they tried to beat Cel. Well, they did beat Celestine to death with uh, Thunderhammers. And they had done like exactly six wounds to her. And I'm like, well, if I try to pass these off to the Gemini, the Gemini will die completely and I won't be able to bring him back. So I can just have Celestine and she's already declared the attacks are not going on the Gemini. So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, so I can just have Celestine die. She'll get right back up and then I'll sell the Gemini, <laughs> everything and we fly, so we can just fly away and shoot. And it's a bold like, strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off. I, I, I had I I had to roll a, yeah. a two up on a d six, and I had like six command points available, so I had to re-roll. Roll one. Nope. Re-roll that. Roll a one, and wow. Celestine went down, and that and that completely changed my my <laughs> forward momentum. I did. I mean, that now that doesn't mean I stopped playing the game. Sure, I like yeah. we kept pressing on, and in oh the- no, you, you too. That entire game was back and forth, back and forth. We kept coming. Jacob and yeah. I kept moving over to see what was going on because you two were so just boisterous and <laughs> and uh, noisy over there. It didn't help that you were right next to our table, but you know, yeah, <laughs> it uh, it made for a really funny uh, time to just hear these, you know laughter and yelling and all that always makes it fun well it's like we talked about when we were when we were talking about like being a good opponent it's like even when i feel like i'm on my back foot i'm gonna try to play as if i'm going down swinging and i'm just gonna keep pushing forward for the objectives i might get lucky i might you know it's like i've got a plan if i can pull this off you know maybe i can like get a tie or or maybe even pull off a win so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna back down just because no. The chips are down, and thus it makes for a, a, a more fun, more exciting game. And mm-hmm. and Cheryl was a lot of fun to play with, and yeah, no, it was an utter blast. And she did end up winning because I could not f- push her off of one objective, and she had one Grey Hunter standing on it, which denied it from my Rhino because of objective secured. And that, that was literally what, what turned the game, or that's what lost me the game, but it was losing Celestine that turned the game on me. So, oh, yeah. uh, so Kevin, your games. So, yeah, so my games, uh, I went 0 and 3. So, <laughs> yeah, th- but all my games were fun. I, I had a blast. Uh, it was a good excuse to, uh, what I, what I always do is end up, I end up procrastinating and then like quick paint an army to, for an event. So I painted all of my Alpha Legion in about two and a half weeks using mostly contrast paints. And, uh, hey, Kevin, Kevin, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to stop you there for a second and remind you that I painted all of Ace's army in a month and a half. Well, you're a lot better at this than I am. So, but like, so the fact I'm just that, giving it crap. I'm just giving so, it crap. I promise. Like, I think it. I think the army. Like, obviously, it's 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 tabletop quality at best. I think oh, it's probably yeah. generous. Uh, but like, it looked fine. You know, especially on a tabletop. And I was able to do you know 1,500 points in like I said in about two weeks. So anybody that doesn't like painting, you know, it's like me that doesn't like painting or is intimidated by painting. Contrast paints and you know online tutorials work really great. So uh, you know, it, and I, I will I will say I did come up to you and and was looking over your army and I was flabbergasted at how the the quality was on those models. They yeah. looked fantastic, especially yeah. for that color. Yeah. So I I I, I like the way it came out. I, I really do. And uh, it's uh, I think it was just the Alpha Legion 
on uh, Warhammer TV, they did an Alpha Legion painting tutorial for like 30K, you know, and, and how to do it with contrast. So it was literally just following, you know, Duncan's process of like step one, step two, step three, step four. And then, you know, that was that was pretty much it. So um, mm-hmm. there's there's more I want to do to it. Um, I'm planning on taking that army to LVO for their friendly. And I want to do I want to add to it. There, A, there's 500 points I need to add to it, but I also want to do more to the individual models. But I, I like I said, I. It, it was good for me to be able to get an army painted in a couple of weeks before an event and have it look presentable, you know, and at a glance, look good. So, I, you know, I, contrast paints definitely work really well. Yep, absolutely do. Um, so in my games, uh, so the, the other thing for mine is this rolls into the first game against uh, Cody Donald. Um, he was running Emperor's Children. So my army for uh, for the LVO friendly cuz like you come up with a theme for that is I'm pa- I painted my army in legion colors horse heresy alpha legion colors and I used all of the like betrayal at Calith and uh burning of prospero like 30k plastic miniatures and I've got a few forge world 30k miniatures in there as well so I've got like a contemptor dread I've got alfarius in there as a demon prince um I've got the outrider bikes from 30k and like 40, uh, 30k rhinos and because I just like that aesthetic of like this cool, like retro 30K army. That's exactly what Cody did as well with for his Emperor's Children. So he had a bunch, he had like 40, 40 or 50 cacophony models that he was running as noise marines. Um, he had a bunch of the, uh, I forget what they're called. It's like Phalanx Warriors or something the like that. Palantine and Palantine, Palantine. That's what it was. Palantine, Palantine and Forces, Forces yeah. That he was running as Chosen. He had the, spe- he had the special Emperor's Children, uh, Terminators. All looked great. Like, you know, it, so he, he had kind of the same army. So it was really cool to look at our table and see basically these two 30k armies battling each other. Um, and, uh, he ended up winning that one 19, uh, 14 to nine. Um, the game was pretty close. It started off not close at all. He basically rolled up one of my flanks very quickly at the beginning of the game, and I killed like a model on my turn, and then that model shot back and killed the rest of a unit. So I actually gave up solo blood on my half of the top of the turn, <laughs> which oh. which I feel like I feel like that's that's pretty special. Um, but I was able mm-hmm. to come back and, and make it close. And it basically came down to he maxed out points and I wasn't able to because we were playing table quarters. And I, I kind of had to abandon a section of the table. After that, I ended up playing uh, Doug Roofer. Doug Roofer. Uh, uh, Corporal Roofer, uh, who if you follow um, Renegade Open on Facebook, uh, Roofer was there for Toys for Tots and he played in his dress blues. Uh, and that, then that's been a thing they've done for the last couple of years where he shows up and, uh, plays in his dress blues and then is there to take the, uh, donations and stuff for Tours for Tots at the end. Which, by the way, you guys, so it's been kind of a back and forth, um, uh, competition in in past years between Midwest Conquest and Renegade <laughs> Open as far as like how much money is raised for our respective charity. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it has been. We've mentioned it several times. La- <laughs> no, it's been it's been mentioned a couple times. Yeah, yeah, a couple- <laughs> yeah. and and so yeah, um, this year I think we just basically have to to acknowledge your your superiority because you guys raised over four thousand dollars. 
just for Toys for Tots yeah. in both yep. financial and actual toy donations. And it that's on top. Amazing. And that's yeah. on top of the other donations that have been done at Renegade Open. You raised over $800 for Cheryl for her fight against cancer. You mm-hmm. raised, I, I know the Kings of War guys raised over $1,200 yeah. for their charity. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I mean, it was nuts. Absolutely nuts. So, yeah, no, it's, you guys have, like, just knocked it out of the park as yeah. far as chari- charitable work. And again, it's using those wargaming powers for awesome, which Absolutely. is, which is great to so see. So that's, yeah, hats off for that. That, that was great to see, to see you guys raise that much. Um, so this game is a kill point game. Here's how the game went for me. I killed one unit. The entire game. <laughs> so you got a point. You got yeah. a point. No, uh, no, no, no. It was, no, he didn't get a point unless he killed more units than his opponent oh, did. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> I I did because it was the last it was the last round of the game and I basically didn't have enough stuff for, left for him to kill a unit oh, well, on my turn. Congratulations. And it was his so warlord. Point. And it was his warlord <laughs> and it was his uh biggest unit. So, oh, I, so, so you... I got three. So I got three. So but uh I yeah. That game just I was playing as Tyranids and they're just I kept I kinda messed up. I thought a unit of Marines could take care of his Termagants and basically just got tied up the whole game. Uh-huh. And then his bigger things just like he popped up in one corner, like turn two, all of his Gene Steelers and his Trigon and his Broodlord. Oh, and no, just you're like, you're boned. Yeah. And oh. just rolled through that section of the table. Uh, but it was a really fun game, uh, you know, again. And, uh, you know, I had a blast with it. And then the last game was against Nick and his Harlequins. And, uh, the, the final on that one was five to four. And there were about, 18 different times where I had the thought of, there's no way I can win this. Oh, there's no way I can lose now. Nope, there's no way I can win. It went, it was the most back and forth game I've ever had. He, he got into assault top of one because he was able to get Twilight Pathways and, and we were doing the long, de- the long board edge deployment. So it was a shorter distance to close. And he got into me right away and just the whole game was fought in my like quarter of the table. Um, but it was great. Like it was so much fun because, you know, he had like solitaire came over and ran over and like murdered my warlord, and then a unit shot him to death, and then this happened, and then this unit came there, and it was just back and forth, back and forth. And there were so many times where I thought like, oh, that's going to save me, and then immediately he rolled really well, and then that was like, oh, that's going to win him the game. The funniest part of the whole thing is the very, very end of the game. I have a unit of havocs in a ruin on one corner of the board, and they were basically doing work because. His troops units would kill a unit and then they'd be standing there and they'd just get blown off the board by the Havocs. So five-man Havoc squad, unmolested, you know, been there the whole game. He has like two tr- members of a troop left and a Shadow Seer that's running across the board to like try to take them out. Because if he doesn't, I will win on objectives. You know, I will win the game because at this point I have the five Havocs, a Terminator, and a Rhino and I'm holding three points. So he's like, well, I got to go after the Havocs. That's like the only thing I can do to win. And I'm like, okay, that seems like a long shot, but sure. Because it's like, it's like three units. Like he's got to get there. And so he's running them over. He goes to cast Twilight Pathways on his, with a Shadow Seer on the, the troop to get them there faster. He's one down to one command point left. So he has one reroll. He rolls Snake Eyes on his, uh, on his psychic test. So it doesn't go off and he's in take wounds. And he's like, should I re-roll this? He's like, I'm not going to re-roll it because the Shadow Seer has enough wounds that even if I roll a six, she's not going to die. Well, he rolled a six. So she was left with one wound. He's like, oh, crap. I probably should have done that. Well, all right. I got to go for broke here. So he goes and he goes uh, cast Smite and he rolls boxcars. <laughs> <laughs> and 
So it's the big smite. It's the D6 smite. He rolls that and he rolls like a one. But he has the reroll. So he rerolls that and he rolls a five and wipes the whole unit. But the Shadow Seer, because he rolled boxcars, also took a perils. She exploded, went Super Saiyan and killed the troop that was standing next to her. So an entire quarter of the board just disappeared in a psychic backlash. <laughs> and at that point, then it was, we looked over the other side of the board and it's like, I've got a Terminator. He's got two bikes and a Death Jester and a Rhino. And it's like, that's it. That's all that's left on the board. And we're like, wow, that, that was weird. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, I will say, I kept walking over there between Jacob and I, and we're like, what the, is this the same game? Did you yeah. guys reset and just do fewer <laughs> models? What is going on? It was so weird. It was the, it is the single most back and forth game I think I've ever played. Cause there were, there were five times where I was assured that, oh, if I do this one thing, I'm going to, I'm going to win. And then I did it. It worked. And then something else happened. And I'm like, oh my mm. God. But it was, it was, a, it was, that was so much fun. That was a great game. Um, so I did go 0 and 3. I, I avoided winning because I scored so many points in my first game. I missed winning the Mr. Rogers award for, for DFL by like two battle points, which really wanted that. I really wanted a plaque that said Mr. Rogers. That's, ah. <laughs> anyway. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so shout out to Jonathan Stewart, who ended up taking best overall with a beautifully painted yeah. uh, Dark Elder oh, yeah. army, also. Um, Gregor Callahan, who had. A phenomenally painted uh, Thousand Suns like foot slogging army uh, for yeah, best painted and really with looking. if he just had a display board it would have been absolute clear favorite as it was you said there was what like a three way tie there was a three way tie between uh, you Gregor and Jonathan I believe it was and it was it, it came down to Jacob and I actually standing out in the hallway and arguing for like ten minutes on who should take <laughs> it it was. Uh, again, if you want a really tough job, become a paint judge because it's miserable. Let me tell you what. It, so yeah, it was it was a lot. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> that's how close it came. No, it no, we crazy. I, I uh, we've had those same kind of discussions on on who should win, yeah. and uh, so it's which is why now we like we basically put up like the top like for the GT where it's like here's the top five results. Um, Player, People vo- players player vote on yeah. them because that <laughs> mm-hmm. way it's, it, at that point it's out of our hands. We've decided we've decided the nominees. <laughs> we'll let the academy yep. decide. But <laughs> but no, three days and the uh, GT winners. Oh yes, and the yeah. GT winners. Um, do, 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 let me bring those up. Uh, the GT uh, Ryan Olson ended up taking first with Iron Hands, followed by Scott Pocket. With uh, Renegade Knights, and that was the final game on yeah. stream. Was uh, a Renegade Knight had a Renegade Knight Atropos, I believe. Yeah, uh, versus a, Iron Hands, and a couple of the um, the Mechanicus Armagers. Uh, I forget what they're called, but ones with like the, like the brand new ones, the brand new ones. So like a very interesting, unique like night, kind of like a dark Mechanicus yeah. Knightless. So it was like very cool night list. And then and he was the one that won the Renegade. Yes, and he won the Renegade yep. with the uh, the overall score. And then Asa Carlson came coming in third with Slanesh with pure Slanesh demons. That's yep. the most impressive thing of the of the weekend. Well, and Asa is just a master <laughs> of movement and knowing yeah. exactly uh, how that army works and what to do with it. And it, that, annoyingly so, well, and annoyingly that, so. And that just comes down to you: any army, if it is piloted well, and you know your army inside and out, you know what to target and how to deal with the meta. And you play it over and over again. You know, again, getting back to that co- that uh, question of, well, do you feel qualified to to review army lists and such? It's like, what makes you a good player is knowing your army inside yep. and out. 
and yeah. I think and to a point of that, Dennis, this was your first time. Like, wasn't your first time playing the Renegade Knight, but it was the first time using it competitively. Oh yeah. And so, if it was an army where you had more practice with it and more more time to kind of tune it and get and get used to the meta and. Three shots is still not a lot. Three shots is not a it, lot. It felt but, a lot like no. having a wraith net on the board. But <laughs> but again, you know, it's just one of those things where the more you practice with yeah. it, the more comfortable you get with it, and then you can focus on the wi- the bigger picture or the finer details, depending on so, what you so, need to do. Alex, am I hearing what Rob's saying correctly? It sounds like he wants me to build a knight army. No, I'm just saying. You, <laughs> I'm saying if you had played this army over and right. over again, yeah. it's like. Yeah, it's just, you know, you get used to it and you, you also realize like how much practice top level players put into this. Oh, a few Absolutely. nights a week. Yeah, oh yeah, easily. Now, now I will say if you want to build a night army, I know a thing or two about them. So if you, if you ever need help, <laughs> let me know. I think we know a guy uh, who'll paint them for us now. And, uh, <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm out for the game for a little bit. <laughs> and so the, uh, I'm just going to go over the rest of the top eight real qu- or the top ten real quick. So we had Ryan Olson, Scott Packett, Asa Carlson, Aaron Aliong, Scott Blegan, uh, Michael, Scheitinger, uh, Geo Moss, Tyler DeVries, Corey Spath, and Mike Smith rounding out the top ten. And most of them are Iron Hands, Ultramarines, Adeptus Astartes. A lot of Space Marines. <laughs> yeah. You might almost think well, that's like really good right now. Well, or something. So, so what I what I actually really liked was that in the friendly, there were like obviously it's a friendly event. I don't think there were any just straight Space Marines. I think it was like there was Chaos Marines and stuff. There were Blood Angels. There yeah, were but there were Blood Angels, angels like that. There, but there weren't but there weren't like any like the people that were playing like Space Marines were playing in the GT, which was which was also, good for me. Also, so. would you take a Space Marines army right now to a friendly tournament? I mean, no, I, I would not, yeah. unless I built it really badly on purpose. <laughs> I kind of feel it's kind of what that. I did is I basically took a I basically took a a non chaos chaos Space Marine army and stripped out like all of the chaos stuff, and then also it's also like oh, it's also the weaker version of the Space Marine. Yeah, stuff. pretty much. But it was a fun list. It was a fun no, army to play. No, but, but this this whole weekend, I mean. Let's see, six, so fifteen games plus a night, a night just between the the three of us. One best sportsmanship slash team spirit award. Two best painted awards. Um, I I I feel great. I, yeah. I, it was a lot of fun. It's a blast, like always. Like it's always it's always oh, good yeah. to get up there to to Minnesota. It's always good to meet the Frozen North guys and hang out for a couple of days. So it's always a blast. Yeah, I mean, I think we're all planning to head up there again next year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, next year, which will be the eighth year. This was the seventh year of the Renegade Open. Eighth year's coming up. Our seventh year. It'll be yeah. our seventh year of attending. And I cannot wait. Although, I am happy that I will get to go up to Wafest in June and see you sooner, Alex. Oh, yes. I will be seeing you in Midwest Conquest. So yes, it'll be soon. which you'll yeah. be seeing. Yeah, that's right. You'll be seeing. Which, uh, again, Midwest Conquest registration is open. You can go to MidwestConquest.com or search for Midwest Conquest on BCP. You'll find all of our events there. You can register. All get all the details. And we've also got, like, I've started adding events on Facebook. Yep. So uh, we are part of the Lord Marshall Conference officially. So mm-hmm. uh, you'll earn points towards that by attending. So there's no reason not to show up. I will also say that uh, that we have locked in the Renegade Open for next year, yep. uh, the weekend before Thanksgiving is normal, uh, as well as have several new GTs that are going to be planned, including um, we have spring, con- uh, spring Conflagration just before the weekend for you guys for uh, Midwest Conquest. But in addition, we have two other uh, GTs that are in the works right now 
to try and figure out what we want to do with those. So keep an ear out for uh, when those dates and times are so you can try and make it up and, and see us more often than, than just once a year, once or twice yeah. a year. Yeah, and we'll get all those events posted on, on our page and share them out. You know, so if you follow us on Facebook, we'll have all those events posted. We'll, you know, we'll let everybody know what's, uh, what events are happening in the area. Yep. But, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. but yeah, get to as many events as you can. Have fun, meet people, play games, paint stuff, and just you know, paint, play, enjoy. I think that pretty much wraps up our show. Dennis has got to get to bed so we can get him on the road tomorrow. Yeah. So, uh, so first of all, Alex, thank you again for joining us uh, a couple oh, of nights later to cover it again. My pleasure. My honest pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And so from all of us here at Preferred Enemies, I'm Rob. Kevin. Dennis. Good night. And Alex? <laughs> and Alex? <laughs> Question mark? <laughs> I think. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I think th- this might make you official sixth chair. Ooh, you might have I to make it? you might have to fight John for it cuz John Champ uh, is, is is been a but yes, you're you're you people's champ. You are you are you're an honorary preferred enemy at this point. You've been on at least you like three what? or four shows, so I'm not going to fight him over the sixth chair. I'll just take the hobby chair. How's that? I, that that yeah, is that fair. Works. Well, you might have to fight uh, Richard for that one. He is our resident ooh. model MacGyver, so you know, with him converting and you painting, oh, mm, the world is not safe. <laughs> anyway, from all of us here, good night, good gaming, and get yourself to the Renegade Open 2021. Or no, 2020. It's not 2020. 20. Or 2021, too. Or all of them. All of them. All of them. All of them. <laughs> good night. <laughs> Preferred Enemies is an Undergopher Radio production and is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharelike 3.0 Unported License. Our theme music is Metal Slug 2 Super Vehicle 001-2, No Need to Reload, originally by Takushi Hayamuda and remixed by Roataka, courtesy of OC Remix. It can be found at ocremix.com.